Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. It's time to put an end to this idiotic podcast. Never! How dare you? So we're talking about steelbooks. Yeah. We had to start recording because we're talking about steelbooks. We had to start recording because Ben had pushed away from the table. Right. And was just looking at the wall. Maybe looking at his phone. And to a certain degree had yeah. pushed away from civilization. Had sure. sort of moved on from human society. Right. Uh, uh, our guest was saying that he had a problem with steelbooks because they wouldn't line up with the rest of his collection. Yeah. yeah you get a, up. Sort of a crenellation. Mm-hmm. Right. So here's, here's been my thing. And I've talked about this with David because, of course, this blank check. Gr- Jesus oh, Christ! Of course, I it is. thought I could get it started fast. Go for it! And I couldn't say the name of our gosh darn show. Is blank check with Griffin and David? You did it! I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies. Directors have massive success early on in the career, given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. True. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes. <laughs> They bounce, baby. Oh, that was what I was supposed to I'm do. I'm very it. concerned about what's happening right now. This this podcast episode is seconds old, Ben's, and people already what know what it is. Thing, ben? Ben's desk now. Now that is a, a mouth harp, originally called a Jew's harp, a thing we've erased in culture. Bring it back. Uh, <laughs> Speaking as a Jew, name more things after Jews. Jew's harp. Uh, he's handing it to you. Uh, Ben's desk uh, looks like uh, the setup that William H Macy has in Seabiscuit. Oh yeah, like a, a reference that, a ding, 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 yeah. like a little triangle. A reference that definitely plays with everybody listening. Let's yes. watch Sea Biscuit uh, right now. Okay. Uh, Gary Ross mini series. I haven't when. seen it in a week. <laughs> the tale of Desper Pod. Uh, he didn't yeah. actually direct that. Uh, but Ben has brought in four different. Uh, Randall, sound that was a Randall Wallace joke. Joint. It was and joke. Randall really? Wallace from Braveheart, my boy. The tales of Desper. No, it wasn't. You're making it up. You didn't do Sea Biscuit. No. Oh, he did Sea Biscuit. Yeah. He may have written it. Did he? Gary no, Ross Gary directed. Ross. Oh yeah, no, Gary, Gary I mean Ross. Gary Ross directed. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course. Right. No, there's no there's so no misleading. No. <laughs> it's not Randall Wallace who is insane. <laughs> I know, rented this movie that? and I was unpleasantly surprised by what? the lack of Randall Wallace. Well, it's just about horses. Yeah. There are no seas or biscuits. So, yeah, what did yeah. you think it was about? I know. I thought it was about a wet cookie. <laughs> okay. And there it is. This folks. is the right miniseries for that, though. I think Ponyo is probably the closest to a wet cookie movie you could ever find. It's Secretariat that's Randall Secretariat. Wallace. Secretariat. I had to check this because I knew it must have been some horse movie he directed. Uh, to listen at home, Ben is still laughing at his own <laughs> Seabiscuit joke. He put his hand on David's shoulder. He did. He did. And I, I was fine with it. I mean, I liked the joke. So Ben has. I had my head in my hands. He's got know. a mouth harp. He's got a little bell. He's got his red boy. And then he also brought in recently. Jesus. I, I feel he like I'm. In, this is the most insane embellishment. Uh, note to self. Uh, make sure that this episode comes out good. Oh, I think you hit play. Yeah. So Ben brought in a tape recorder to the studio recently and said, guys, I brought this in so you can use this for a bit sometime. And we went, how do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What, what? And then he held it up to his mouth and said, note to self. Yeah. Like he did like a, a <laughs> Twin Peaks, you know, but the only thing you can really get is this very slight like click noise. Right? Right, right. Note to sell. As if we couldn't do that bit miming it right. in an audio format. We probably have done it. 25 Except, years later, yeah. Laura Dern will show up having heard all of Ben's messages. 
Except the other sound you can get out of the tape recorder is the one that Ben just got by accident, which is the voice of Satan. Scary. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to lie. That's like that movie White Noise. Remember? Oh, with Michael Michael Keaton. Keaton. That's like Michael Keaton's lowest ebb, I feel (laughs) like. It's kind of like. It's like, you know how there's creepy tape noises? That's a movie now. It's I, kind of like this movie called Angel Has Fallen, mm. which at the time of recording is uh, three days, in three days from now, as the commercials okay. will tell us, because we now count down to every studio release. Yes. Sure. Uh, there is a, the plot hinges on a disguised voice. It's obviously the, the vice president is the big bad guy, and he's disguising his voice. There's only two other characters in the movie, so you know if they're going to disguise the voice, it's got to be one of them. Vice presidential but, villains. There's yeah, got to be a they list get a bad rap. There's so many of them. Yeah. But here's the thing, is that, Danny Houston, who's obviously the other villain. And what? I appreciate Spoiler! It. Oh, no. Wait, no. Danny Houston plays thing. a villain? Here's the he, thing. He can't. Angel He's has just fallen. too charming and sweet. Angel Has Fallen knows that it's in a Danny Houston movie or something wow. along those lines. Okay. Because literally scene two, it just cuts to Danny Houston being like, yeah, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> like, we're not even going to pretend that I'm not That's the bad guy. But the thing is, his main henchman, his regular speaking voice sounds like Ben's mom. Having been slowed wow. down, his voice modified, and it's just like, why didn't he, right. it's it's just have him call? I don't mean to, I don't mean to freak you out, but apparently the other villain is Tim Blake Nelson. I mean, this yes. is just crazy. Those two guys playing villains, they're up to no good. Is uh, is Tim Blake playing Southern? What kind of type is he in the film? Now we wouldn't want to do that. Now, yeah, right? Is it one of those? Dig up the past, or is he? Is he like sort of like a neat kind of? I'd say there's a forty elite. to fifty percent chance that. Tim Blake Nelson will only learn that he's in this movie when he listens to this episode of the podcast. <laughs> like he is, uh, he's just being Tim Blake Nelson. Wait, okay. Jada Pinkett Smith is in this yes. movie? Jada Pink- she never makes movies. Jada Pinkett Smith rocks a beanie for 90 straight minutes. And then spoilers for Angel Has Fallen, a movie that you can now get at your local gas station by the time this episode comes out, right. gets shot in the face. Yeah. Ooh, how by, brutally. Real brutally Ooh. by Danny Houston in a way. She, and there's a double tap and everything. That's she ain't going to be in uh you know, whatever, Nolte has fallen or whatever the fourth one is. Thank God this is coming out two months after the movie's been released because otherwise people be losing their shit with the white hot spoilers you're you're spilling all over the place. Okay, can I say the Steelbook thing? Yep. Yep. What I do is I buy Steelbooks for 4K Blu-rays. So that way, the lack of cohesion with the rest of the collection doesn't irk me because it's like, that's what differentiates these. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Can Mm. you get 4K Steelbooks? Yes. Yes, my friend. They must be pricey. No, it's no? mostly a pre-order game. Oh, really? Because they're often retailer exclusives, and it's usually about being on the ball. Are they pricey on the second-hand market? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why they're a good investment. What do you Should buying? we talk about coal books? Let's talk about coal books. Ehrlich was saying, our guest today is David Ehrlich of Antiquai. Where I write about coal books at length. Right. He was saying that he thinks the better investment is in coal books. Yeah, because I think, you know, with our great president uh, pushing coal back into the back into the daily fabric of American lives, clean coal, a very real thing. uh, That steel book, you're just you're just throwing your money away. You're throwing your money away. Coal books. Right. Gets a little ashy on the hands. Yeah. But you know, will help pay for your your grandchildren to go to Right. And if you're cold, toss that right exactly. Throw your coal book of angels fallen right into the fire and uh, you'll be warm for a month. Uh, anyway, this was all uh, brought upon because I got an email confirmation that my John Wick Chapter 3 a steelbook had shipped. That's pretty cool. Hold for applause. Did it tell you to parabellum? Yes. Um, you know, the idea, to the change from the way they were titling those movies mm-hmm. 
that Parabellum introduced irked me as no. much no. as the size of the steel books. This is so wrong. Relative to the rest of so my Here's my counter argument. This is so wrong. Here's my counter I made this argument on Twitter to you. What's yours? <laughs> Here's my counter argument. What if chapter four has four parts to yeah, its exactly. title? It has to. It the has game to. has to be. It has to get more pretentious every time. Right. John Wick. Okay, I get it. Right. Right. Don't set him off. Fine. You got that? John Wick chapter two. I'm like, oh, classy. Yes. John Wick chapter three. Let's get some Latin in there. Right. Parabellum. Right. Oh. You have a dash and a colon or two colons? Mm. What's the punctuation there? Uh, I, let's see. It's, it's a. I can't remember. I keep confusing it with Mission Impossible. It's John Wick, colon, chapter three. Dash. Uh, M dash, Parabellum. Right. Great. It's okay. the Mission Impossible style. Yeah. Right. So as long as chapter four adds another element, I'm fine with it. Okay. If it tops out Brackets? at three, I will be <laughs> furious. Yes. John Wick, colon, chapter four, uh, M dash. And then like a Shakespeare quote, yeah. maybe. And then in brackets, like the quadratic equation. I right. don't know. Or backslash. <laughs> backslash. Maybe. Maybe like a squared. Chapter four is a URL. Yeah. It'd be nice. I got to say. Bring I, back squaring. Listening oh, to your, your Alien take, cubed, you know? Yeah, alien cubed. I mean, classic. Yeah. That no one could ever type. But listening to your take on John Wick 3. Mm-hmm. Col- John Wick colon chapter three dash parabellum. Yeah. Oh. I And you mentioned that Keanu at the, the sort of bottomed out at the valley of his sadness with yeah. uh, 41, 47 Ronin. Correct. I felt walking around the city yesterday listening to that episode, a real and profound twinge of guilt for my, uh, and this was back my film.com days where we'd rank things on a pitchfork like scale uh-huh. with decimals up to 10. I think it was my 0.5 review of 47 Ronin. But here's why I say to you, you shouldn't feel shame because if that film had been successful, we would not have gotten John Wick. John Wick comes out of a man having nothing left. So in a way, I played a small part in. I I think so. Maybe a large part. I think so. John Wick is a film that can only come out of someone needing to be reborn like a phoenix Mm. out of the tattered ashes of their big budget career. 100%. 100%. Right. Because he had hit his emotional rock bottom before that. And then his career also bottoms out. And he's doing like direct-to-video dramas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then John Wick comes to us like a gift. I don't know. I bet 47 Ronin's a masterpiece, though. There are 47 of them. They're 47. You get like 35 Ronin. They've got to release Fine. the Snyder Cut. It's true. That's one of those movies that had like a three hour cut and then they fired the director. Wasn't the director like a visual effects guy? Yeah, yes, he, he was. was like a, right. Also, I mean, like the Mizuguchi 47 Ronin, the Chushingura is like five hours long. It's a long story. It's, a long story. it's like one of the most legendary stories. 20 minutes right. each Ronin. I had a dream that Keanu. It was, I guess, a dream set in the future. Wins best actor for Chapter Three Parabellum, and in watching the telecast, the mood was like, "Well, right, of course." Yeah. <laughs> and they gave him a standing ovation, right, 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 and he right. was like, "Oh, God, I'm not surprised, but it still feels good." Like it was like he was joking about the fact that he had just like fucking racked up hardware all season; that it yeah. was a given right. thing. Right, right. Yeah, he has like a, he's like. He gets out and he says it came true, right? Like right. he's like yeah. thought about every right. part of the speech. I had a dream last night that I got a $14,000 bonus at work, hey. which wow. is funny because I've never gotten a bonus at any job I've ever had. And, I wo- and I've spent all day very depressed because you didn't get that bonus. You don't have <laughs> I've had that. I've had that yeah. where you write, you had good news in the dream and yeah. you sure. wake up and you're like, ah. Oh, it just like slowly great. slides off of you, the back to reality all day long. I used to work at a very old school place that was bad at giving you raises, but mm. every year there was that Christmas bonus. It was Ugh. very old fashioned. That kind of like, it's a wonderful life kind of like, things have been good this year. Yeah. Like check your, oh, the envelope on your desk, mm. you know. Do you, do you know what my one is? What? Uh, 
I, I many times have had the dream where I get the call that— uh, To be a Ghostbuster? Uh, yeah, I answer the call. Uh, I haven't had that. Oh, they're going to be men now. Thank God. I don't know about that. Well, no, but David, they're giving it back to the fans. <laughs> oh, that's a few. And about time. <laughs> the fans had no control over. <laughs> they should be rewarded Every for good year, behavior. Fans are like <laughs> Imagine if fans, like if the release of movies corresponded to fan behavior, like it'd be like. Yeah, no movies this year. Sorry, you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah, uh, the, the My Little Pony fans are fine. You got a movie? Well, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what movie are the My Little Pony book, fans book Club getting? Seven from their is coming here. out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, book club stands. You guys are all right. Yeah. Yeah. Or what was your dream? My dream, and I've had this a couple yeah, times. Back on track of this tangent. Of course, uh, this could be our cleanest, uh, sharpest, mo- leanest episode uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, my dream that I've had several times is that someone drops out of hosting a Saturday Night Live like an hour before oh, the show sure, goes. sure, like an emergency situation. It's an emergency, right. and I host the show cold reading off of cue cards, sketches I have not looked at. Would they have told the live and or viewing audience about what had happened? Um, I, I've had both variations. Okay. But in, in both versions of the dream, people are coming up to me and they're like, this is going to make your career. This is incredible. What you're doing is incredible. It's like I'm like, Pitching like a no hitter, you know, like it's I'm pitching your version a of the game. Mark a, Wahlberg movie where he gets drafted into the Philadelphia Invincible, Invincible. Yeah. Invincible. right? That, they they pluck me up and they go like, look, no one else is. Timberlake didn't answer the phone. Baldwin's in the Hamptons. He can't get back in time. He missed his jitney. We need <laughs> you're the fifth person on the list. We need you to do it. And while I'm doing it, in between sketch, they're just like, you're doing it. You're really I can't doing it. it. And I think like, oh my god, my career is going to be transformed tomorrow. I'm going to have my pick of the litter, and then I wake up in my bed. Hey, your bed, though. Yeah, it's got those linen sheets, those Brooklyn, Brooklyn linen sheets. It's, it's the one thing keeping worst, me Worst place right to be, Griffin. Uh, David, I got a question for you. Shoot. Who's this uh, handsome, fashionable gentleman sitting to your right, or your left, my right? Ben Hosley. The name doesn't ring a bell. Does it go by um, any other aliases? Let me try a couple. Let me, just, let me just try right, a couple. fine. Because I, I, I want to help Ehrlich out here. I did shave though recently. Yeah, maybe, recently. maybe that's it. Maybe he just shaved. Uh, he's pr- producer Ben. Producer mm. of the show. Uh, ben Deucer. Yeah. Producer Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Poet Laureate. Uh, the Haas. The Meat Lover. Uh, the Fart Detective. Uh, the Peeper. Not ringing any bells. Uh, he is not Professor Crispy. Mm. No. He no, is no, the no, Fuck no. Master. Never yeah. heard of him. He's a tiebreaker. Mm. He's soaking wet Benny. Mm. He's white hot Benny. Seems dry now. He's yeah. birthday Benny. Very dry. Uh, he's graduated to certain tells over the course of different racers. Oh, that might explain it. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Kylo Ben. Okay. Producer Ben Kenobi. Ben Ishamwan. Ben Sate. Say Benny Think dot dot dot. Ayla mm. Ben's with a dollar sign. Uh, Warhaz. Yeah. Uh, Perdue Bane. I read about him once. Uh, ben 19, the Fennel Maker. No. Uh, Eat Drink Ben Hosley. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, like uh, uh, Benglish. Uh, Mr. Ben Credible. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. Uh, Beetle Vape Juice. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, is he a uh, public enemy number one? He's public enemy. <laughs> he is public enemy uh, number one. Now it's all. Now there I know where go. I know him from. Yeah. Robohas. Oh, it's so good to see him. Am I forgetting any other ones? I don't know. Do you know the one that was just thrown out on Reddit that I just want to select now? Mm-hmm. Hasaka. <laughs> <laughs> Of the Valley of the Wind? No. Of the, the, of the of Valley of the Fart? It's of the Ditch of the Jersey. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's beautiful. 
that rules. The jersey of the ditch, the ditch of the jersey. The jersey yeah. of the ditch. Yeah. I forget which way it is, but that's. I think that's the answer, right? Hasika. Yeah, Hasika. That's cool. Of the jersey of. I'm so honored to be on the titular episode. This is, of course, the titular episode because we're covering the films of Hayao Miyazaki, and this is a mini series called Howl's Moving Podcast. So quite controversially, no one's happy with it. Really. I just feel like everyone had their own one they wanted because there were so many different ways we could go with this. Whereas very often times there's like only one answer. Sure. But even when there's only one answer, they're like, well. Right. What about you pot gate cast? Oh, boy. The whole point is that this time we had three different movies that had castle in the title. So yes. then everyone liked all the different variations and whether you keep podcasts. I posted a fucking Twitter poll. They picked this one. I know. It's Howl's Moving Podcast. Listen, the, the fans were well-behaved. They're well-behaved. Gotta behaved. do what the fans want. We're, they're well-behaved and so we've been picked up for another seven That's years. That's why we're back for an all-male episode. <laughs> we're rewarding our fans with another four bros talking about Miyazaki episode. <laughs> it's Howl's Moving Castle. David yes. Ehrlich. Already yes. introduced him, but he's the guest so nice we gotta introduce him twice. That's oh, right. hello. Wait, a question about mm. being a guest on this show. Please. Uh, Four-timers club now? Well, you are, uh, you're oh, getting I'm to where I'm getting question. here. Okay. Uh, you could say that I'm joining the pathetic four-timers club, or, or you could include the Patreon yeah. commentary episodes yeah, this is an and really say that I'm in the, the five-and-a-half-timers club. Right. Uh, here's my answer. Yeah. I don't care. Mm. Okay, here's my answer. I care a lot. Yeah, yes, I, I figured that would be that we would sort of trade this off. And for me, I think it's it, it's five on the mothership. Mm. I think it's five on the mothership. And my take on this is it's sort of the asterisk that sometimes happens on SNL Wikipedia pages where it's like Paul Simon, total number of appearances, number of appearances. Number. But then it's like hosted five times, additional 12 times as musical guests. Sans host. Ben, can you uh, hear somebody's heartbreaking with these mics? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm picking that oh, up. Oh, great. Okay. I think you got a gentleman's four plus a Patreon, which is its own count. And a half. Patreon and a half. A Patreon and a half. Because he popped in for the last part of Doctor Strange. It's all popping. <laughs> all the popping. You got to pop in. Pop in. You got to pop in, Mary Poppins. She returned. I was on a Patreon episode. Yeah, what do you think Seinfeld thought of Mary Poppins? That was that was, that was Ross. That was Ross. Yeah, that was not my. my I know Seinfeld. that wasn't your Seinfeld. Yeah. I do he wish Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld, uh, as the father of of several young children, mm. uh, did stand up routines about the movies he takes his kids to. Right, you know, because you know he's seeing like? all these movies. I want to deal with these ugly dolls. They're not remember, that ugly. Remember B movie, and that was Charles right. Damon. What's the deal with B movie? <laughs> Only hundred thirty five domestic. <laughs> Feels like it should have performed better. Do you think he took them all to see the documentary Honeyland only to be very disappointed? Where are the bees? It's some old lady. I can't do it. Why am I not doing it? He right narrated Honeyland as Barry B. Benson, his character from B Movie. I'm taking my, my, my mountain honey. Should we do the B Movie franchise on Patreon? The what now? So B Movie yeah. and then all those YouTube videos that are, have you seen those? Like the one where it's like, it get it doubles in speed every time someone says B. Do you know about that? And this? it's sort of like, you know, if you're watching the movie for like three solid minutes, it's just the movie. It's the best corner of Listen, YouTube. I'm and still working rapidly, through Hot Ones. I have yet to, oh, to graduate to that level of hot YouTube. Huge season. Idris Elba became a, like a cross internet meme. Yeah. You know, him coughing. Uh, he mm. was so 
hot on that episode (laughs) by every definition. Like I was just watching it and I was like, I fucking get it. You know what I'm saying? 100%. I mean, I've always gotten it, but 100%. I will say- Because when he's in casual mode, he's just as hot, if not hotter. I feel like I hadn't seen enough of him in casual mode. And I had been like, this is a handsome man and obviously an incredible actor. I saw him at a, uh, in the back of a bar in Telluride, Colorado <sighs> one year. And he was just sitting there like playing pool with like one leg up. And no so one would go. he was like go. shooting like a details cover. Or yeah, whatever, right? but yeah, no yeah. one would go in yeah. to the back room where he was because he was too hot. Like there was oppressive. Right, right, right. Like you couldn't It's yeah. like going into like break the, the steam seal. room at the gym. Yes. It's like five right. minutes. You're like, I, I, I got to leave. There's I'm just sorry. a crowd I need a watching. Shower. It's too right. much. The Hot Ones one is incredible, and it's also like every answer he is equally passionate, knowledgeable, and charismatic speaking about. Right. And he'll like test him on different things, and he's like, so I understand you like to play water polo. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I love water love polo. It, mate. Love it, mate. <laughs> when the guy asks him if he wants a spicier hot sauce, does he say, turn it up, Charlie? He does. Turn up, Charlie. He does. Oh, it's okay. turn up, Charlie. Turn up, Fuck. Charlie. That's yeah, it is crazy. He's like, he will still just kind of do anything. Uh, it's a thing I find very interesting like, about him, and he's talked about this honestly. Netflix show, show mate. He's talked openly about like I think in today's uh, media culture, you cannot be precious. Right. You need to do all of which it. is funny because he was in Hobbs and Shaw, which yeah. literally stars the opposite, like someone right. who's become kind of precious about right. their image. But there's something kind of Not incredible Statham, to be clear. Statham's more of a you know omnivore. There's something kind yeah. of incredible about the fact that Idris Elba has so many times now played the villain in a big Hollywood yeah. movie. And has not gotten stereotyped as a villain actor. Uh, no. Can also play the hero. Can also do drama. Right. Well, like, he he's has not the in a Gary Oldman of, corridor. No, 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 Nobody right. gives a shit about the movies where he plays a villain. I, I say what you're saying that it's like not sticking to him, but it's not yeah. like Star Trek Beyond left much of a taste in anybody's mouth. He's great in Star Trek Beyond, it's and that's really a great good. movie. Yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, <laughs> the one that's bad is um, Hobbs and not very good. Hobbs, well, yeah. what is there another one? Uh, I guess it's just Jungle Book. He's I'm trying very to think good of, in Jungle Book. You have to give him that. He's got a great voice. Yeah, he's good. I love him, but then yeah, but then he'll be in like Molly's Game, right? He'll be in um, you know, Dark Tower. He's the hero, right? right. Is that movie underrated? <laughs> Time will tell. And, and he's the new. I'm so happy that I can't have an opinion on that film. <laughs> he is the new lead of Suicide Squad, right? Right, uh, mate. Yeah, oh. right. And he's like one of Thor's friends. Yeah, and and they were like, "Do you want to do more?" And he's like, "Sure." Yeah, why not? Whatever, mate. <laughs> Was he in Endgame? Yeah. No. No. He's he gets Infinity killed. War he Spoilers. What is it? Oh, that's right. He dies in Infinity War in the yeah. first scene. Yeah. Yeah. Where at my Marvel movie marathon, they started Infinity War in 3D, and the 3D was broken. And so after waiting for two full days there to just be the first people to see Infinity War, uh, everyone missed the scene where he dies. Really? Yeah. Because they had to like turn it off. Oh no, he it. dies. No, he dies in the first scene of Endgame. No. Infinity no. First War. scene of Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, they had to yeah. fucking fix the 3D yeah. that yeah. they shouldn't have been projecting in the first place. Right, that's the cold open of Infinity War. Is the movie Thanos pretty much starts some on the sword going into Idris Elba's yeah, chest. pretty much. Right, right, right. Because right. yeah. then you get that Thanos is for real. He can kill gods. Yeah. Right. And if you thought that was rough, wait until he takes off his armor. Right, that's another. And he's sleeveless. Oh, wait until you see him farm in Endgame. <laughs> Our friend. This guy can pick Miller. Esther Zuckerman's boyfriend just told me. Such a good Josh Brolin story. Really? That I in no way micer? can tell on right, this podcast. Well, off oh, mic, then. But off mic. Definitely involves oh, a penis. It 100% involves a penis. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to tell a story that I think I can tell on this podcast. Is it about your penis? Yeah. It's about my penis. So Josh Brolin and I were hanging out. Um, and I mean hanging out. Uh, uh, Derek Simon, one of my old friends, a uh, friend of the show, future guest, uh, he 
went to see fuck what movie was it it was when he was at NYU and they were screening some film and Josh Brolin was doing Q&A afterwards for the NYU film department mm-hmm. and uh, Derek went up to him afterwards and I might be getting this wrong but it was a variation on this his question he would always ask when he met celebrities was something like uh, uh, ninjas versus robots Oh, like he enjoyed just asking Sans context. Hi, Mr. Brolin, like big fan. I, I, if I can just ask you quickly, ninjas versus robots. And Josh Brolin had like a nervous break. <laughs> he was, oh, he was, instead of just being like, get out of here, man. He was like, well, I mean, robots obviously, you know, made no, of metal, stronger. He, he was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and Derek was like, uh, ninjas versus robots. And he was like, why did you, why did you ask me that? Why oh, did you ask right, me that? Right, right. And Josh Brolin's entourage was like, yo, Josh, come down. He's like, no, no, no I need to understand what this kid's doing. <laughs> Jesus. And then he was like, I, I, "I just pick one." Like Derek maintained his cool, and he was like, "I don't, I don't." In what context? What are you talking about? And the way he finally, like Derek, tried to calm down, he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I want to say I'm very excited to see you in True Grit." And he's like, "True Grit." I'm like barely in that movie. <laughs> I'm like the fourth build, but it was like four lead. months before it came out, and he was like, "I don't know. I worked like a day on that." Right. Yeah. Um, he's kind of crucial in True Brit. Great, great, true Brit. He's <laughs> great in True He's amazing. But like he is obviously just right at the end there. But it's beautiful because they build up the whole movie and, and he shows up and he's like, dangerous. what are you doing? Are you, are you a True Brit? <laughs> I am I mean, some would dispute it, but... Uh, wait, Ehrlich, why would you Britain. say that? Why, because what, he does wait, his Idris uh, Elba voice so well. Uh, I, I might. Wait, wait, rewind the tape for a second, Ben. I feel like we lost something there that David said. Ben and I both scrambled for the tape recorder. It's a nice rewinding. Okay, and all right. Okay, and I'm listening because there was something that Sim said that I I grew up in Britain. What? Wait, wait. That's what I call smooth podcasting. (laughs) Wait, but to self, that was good. In this particular context, given recent information that's come to light on this podcast. Uh huh. Isn't Griffin Newman actually a true Brit? What? <laughs> oh, Jesus. We can't expand the bit. I, I don't mean to do that. I don't want to play all the hits here. Yeah, I'm seriously. just saying that this is... Uh, this is this that the was, fans. <laughs> this is Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters. I'm getting paid, the fans by, are somehow I'm getting writing paid it? by the Reddit for each uh, reference I can fit in there. Your father was fully British? <laughs> Okay, so you're full 50% biologically British. 100%. Yeah, Britain is in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, my dad, yeah, my dad was. What does yeah, Britain English, look like in someone's right. blood? Is it like mince pie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, yeah, a dense, dry fruit cake. Mm. Um, it's, a, you know, Yorkshire pudding. That's gravy. very funny. Keep it going. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, my dad was from Surbiton, ah. uh, which is a very dull part of London, incredibly. No, uh, no offense to any Serbitonites listening. Oh boy, we just wait a second. Um, but like, I would go. We would Our have Patreon to... just dropped down to one hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm going to see this it on was a Twitter all moment. Money. Blank check podcast host under in hot water for anti-Serbiton comments. Protest at the town square. <laughs> keep your name, keep our name out of your mouth, dirty Americans. Now, Serbiton, it's like you know, it's kind of like a commuter suburb, but I don't know. I mean, have you spent know. time there? Yeah, well, we used to have to go there to visit his family, uh, and it was always kind of like, oh, all right, let's go to Serpentin. Like, yeah. it was always a little uh, boring. But, yeah. mm. you know, no offense to Serpentin. You know what I like? I like what? when people say I uni. Now. Uni. I did uni. Go to, I went to uni. It just That's got a little, a little jolt of happiness. Where'd you go to uni? Yeah, I went to, oh, I was at uni. That's a real, like, Richard Curtis script. Primary yeah. school. 
primary school, secondary school, and then uni. Yeah. College means your last two years of what you would call high school. Weird. I know. Sixth form college. I feel like Elizabeth Warren Sometimes could, pass, people go to a could like sell her presidency on uh, you know, subsidized college, free college, if you just called it uni. Uni. And rebranded it uni. as uni. That would be so bad. Where'd uh, you go to uni? I went to Newcastle. People don't know that. I'm an alumnus. Uh, the University of right, You don't have to brag. We know oh, you okay. went to Come London. On, Jesus. Keep in your fucking No, Newcastle is not Josh in London. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not going to just make jokes around what I think the Josh Brolin story might be know. with no further information. <laughs> you know, I just want that to be the story. Like, it's like, I, I got a story for you about insert celebrity. I'm like, saw their dick? <laughs> yep. And? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> anyway. I get why he's a star. Right? <laughs> that thing's ready for camera. <laughs> No powder required. <laughs> Do they powder your dick if you're going to whip it out? Well, thank you for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they, body makeup is certainly a thing. It has to be, right? Yeah. Same yeah, it is. Basic principles, you're scenes. shining bright yes. lights on your yes. body. Body makeup is certainly a thing. Yeah. But you rarely see the on-screen peen. And when you do, it's so often for comedic effect that I th- feel like they want it to look I will, bad. I will say that in the – this movie will have already been in theaters by the time mm. this episode comes out. But in Hustlers, there's a dick that – there's only one dick. It's really the only nudity in the movie. And I thought to myself when I saw it, that is not a powdered dick. Mm. The dick looked raw. But they told us before the movie – that the visual, the, the sure, movie the wasn't finished yet. not quite. And right, so yeah, I yeah. think when they said that, they really just, they meant they had to go back and powder that dick. We got we to gotta add a yeah. little light. A little also, light on Hustlers is like Stuber, R-rated comedy with only a dick. Hustlers is not a comedy. I okay, mean, it's funny, enough, but it's... You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, you know, R-rated Yeah, but movie. the principle of that is cooler because Hustlers is about strippers That's yes. true. and then pointedly only has a penis in it that rules right I, I, I don't talk about old news only here, has like, a penis I mean, all that are, stuff about J-Lo being in it lies there are she's some not that, in it it's two hours of a penis in close up <laughs> and <laughs> it's looking dry it's hustling <laughs> I'm amazed that Hustlers is good considering the amount of fucking like Hustlers movies I know they, they were all bad and mm-hmm. now this is well, finally they were like you know what don't make him American right like get all the other hustling out of there yeah when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Can't wait to see Hustler. Yeah. Can't wait to see that Tiff. Yeah. Is the peen from like a notable actor? Um, it's from Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence Olivier's Lawrence peen. Olivier. <laughs> it's in a jar. They dug it up. Yeah, right. Uh, no, it is of uh, someone I've never seen before. That's one of my favorite jokes ever. But when Gone Girl came out and everyone was arguing about the Ben Affleck peen and whether or not they saw it and how visible it was, Connor Ratliff's joke was like, you know, everyone's saying it's hard to find this penis in the movie that they didn't see it. It's actually very visible. People are looking in the wrong uh, place. 
it's in one of the scenes where they're arguing. It's just on a shelf behind him. <laughs> a little Easter egg for you. <laughs> ben Affleck's penis on a shelf. They actually over removed his it. Yeah. That, I mean, did I, did I say this on the podcast? Just the arc of Ben Affleck's career, like. Yeah. Hot, looks a lot not like back, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Affleck's good, and then people were like, "He wins an Oscar," and then people are like, "His penis is huge," <laughs> and now he's down to zero again. Right, Phoenix tattoo. <laughs> How does he Batman. rebound this time? He's like, "I actually have two penises." Like, <laughs> I'm gonna tie for best picture. He must be so angry with myself. That Michael yeah. Fassbender used the the big peen for positive, but through him, yes. the big peen would be used for evil. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, how's movie cast? So yeah. what do you think of Hayao Miyazaki? Oh, boy. Big fan? <laughs> um, Big fan? Uh, you know... <laughs> I'm giving Griffin an incredulous look. Uh, monster peen. <laughs> Everybody knows that in Japan. All right, all right, all right. Uh, on, the thing about it, I mean, I, I was thinking about this earlier because I, I had a feeling that Hayao Miyazaki was going to come up on the Howl's Moving Castle podcast. Maybe. Uh, and uh, I was thinking, like, this is a guy... I, I have a very... And I mean this in the most... Uh, objective and uh, pejorative sense of the word academic mind when it comes to film I mm-hmm. study them that sort of background and it's really hard for me to apply the same or look at Miyazaki through the same lens like for me he is he the the term that I arrived at on my walk here was that uh Miyazaki is daddy He's um he is uh I, I like the classic sense. Yeah. yeah. He is father. No, I mean <laughs> I I think of his uh movies as I'm not saying they are beyond scrutiny, I don't like to think of them that way, but like I'm a lot less interested in how the sausage is made it's when such it comes an emotional to him. Right. I sure. just it feels like it's sort of uh yeah, just baked into to who I am a little bit more. It's become sort of a language, especially with Totoro, through which I communicate with the next generation of kids in my family, my mm-hmm. nieces. Um I'm sure my son will uh have a, a steady Woo! dose of Miyazaki. Uh, I think we shouted your unborn son out on the Patreon. Yeah, he'll probably be a five-timer on this podcast before I am, but whatever. Uh, Uh, A (laughs) ponyoer, right? (laughs) Little little pones. Uh, And, yeah, no, I I remember distinctly forcing my dad to drive me up to Norwalk, Connecticut to go see the Billy Bob Thornton, Claire, Mm. I was going to say Claire Denis Mononoke, which would have been quite a thing. Uh, The Claire Danes (laughs) Mononoke. Uh, and so that was back in what, 1999. So even then I was already, I was already like, and my dad, like there's, it's like, that would have been like nails on a chalkboard for him. He just could not respond to I think he took out a newspaper during the movie and did the crossword puzzle. Which would have been a brightly lit theater. Well, he tried his best. Your dad had fucking supervision. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, but no, I, uh, I, I, Miyazaki is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was, how did you it was Totoro like how are yeah. you I think it was actually it's hard to, I think it was actually through Kurosawa because Kurosawa was sort of my gateway into mm-hmm. movies in general um, and I always liked animation and so that seemed like a logical leap but I can't remember what came first uh, my love for Miyazaki or if that was the logical end of my fascination with anime mm-hmm. um, because right, I'm, liked anime, right? I'm a little anime boy uh, I especially during the height of the DVD era, like when they started putting out the Cowboy Bebops, the Rosafons, and the Genesis Evangelion. Stuff on. was readily available. For the right, first it was time. like I would get yeah. like the Reader Die DVDs and be like Griffin Newman if he didn't have his head so far up his ass, just like licking Pixar's fucking prostate would would live for Which this. Which is apparently shit. in his ass. <laughs> yeah. What can I say? I love the good dinosaur. <laughs> uh, would live for this. 
Um, but I, and so I was mainlining that stuff, which was a very expensive hobby at the time. Sure. Uh, cause you would have to, if you wanted to watch four episodes of Cowboy Bebop, you'd need to buy a $30 DVD. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, and then one way or the other really got hooked on the Miyazaki stuff, which is truly timeless and beautiful. Uh, but I wanted to do this movie because you wanted to do a movie you were not in love with. Yeah. Right. And right. one that I wanted an excuse to rewatch because. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I thought this, we'd hash it out. I had not seen this movie in a long time. I saw it at the Avon Theater in Stanford, Connecticut on the day it came out there. And uh, I, that's all I remember about it. <laughs> I saw it in Boston. I was living in Boston that summer. Uh-huh. I remember. And I saw it with my aunt. I was like living with my aunt and uncle for the summer doing an internship at the Boston Phoenix, RIP. Um, and uh, with Peter Keogh, not RIP. Still going strong. Oh, I just Film got critic. I just got some very bad news. <laughs> um, and Harrison Ford has died. My aunt. Was, <laughs> we don't need to go to that bit. Please. My aunt was such a sucker for. I mean, it, it remains such like she just wants to see like you know any new interesting foreign film, mm. art film, whatever. Right. And so I took her to that. She'd never seen a Miyazaki film before. But at this point, he has won the Oscar. Spirited so Away has happened. He's so. sort of known, even by people who don't know him by name, as like, who's that Japanese guy that everyone says is so good? Yeah, and it's the point at which, like, yeah. how If he, how, has, if he has a blank check, which he doesn't, this is it. Well, he falls into the, I mean, I, I want to open this up as a side conversation in a second. Yeah, but he's right. a very different type of check. Because it's putting up, the, the check he gets post- uh, uh, Nausicaa as the capital to then be able to write his own checks for the rest of the And then Totoro like he becomes the bank. turning him yeah. into basically Disney. Right. You know, like Japan's Walt But Disney. he's like what we covered with St- Spielberg expe- except we were fascinated in the DreamWorks era of Spielberg because it's when he's also a studio chief and can like finance his own movies and all of that sort of shit. But that comes after like this 20 year miracle run of him being like the most commercial filmmaker ever. Whereas Miyazaki like puts up his stake pretty early on in his career and then gets to do whatever he wants. There's a really interesting article I read that I want to bring into this as well. But uh, you go to see it with your aunt who was not a Miyazaki fan. Had never seen a Miyazaki movie and we watch it and my uncle, I saw it with my aunt and uncle, my uncle was kind of like, all right, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Like he, he was sort of nonplussed by it. My aunt was like, I don't know if I liked that, but I've definitely never seen anything like it. So sure. I was like, all right, well, let's watch Spirited Away because, you know, maybe that'll be the one that'll be your jam so I remember I was watching that too and she was still like I don't think this is for me but it is at least like Mm. I am interested to be exposed to this so I was hoping to delay this recording as long as possible so I could listen to more of the podcast and I failed Uh, but the because I don't know what you guys have talked about already but it is hard to overstate when you talk about Miyazaki's popularity Mm -hmm. even by this point uh, how ubiquitous Studio Ghibli stuff is when you go to Japan it is truly, I mean, oftentimes in, you know, it's tchotchkes and then touristy yeah. areas, but it is everywhere. So great segue to the thing I want to talk about. Okay. I'm trying to remember how this came to my attention. Maybe someone posted on the Reddit and I want to give them credit, but I can't find it now. But I read this article about uh, one of the people who, who's maybe the head of Studio Ghibli in terms of business operations. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was talking about their history with merchandising. Because uh, we've we've been talking about over the course of this miniseries how it's kind of weird. It seems to go against most of Miyazaki's principles that those films are merchandised well. And I was hypothesizing that it was perhaps like a Jim Henson type thing where like Henson always sort of viewed it as like not a necessary evil but like a necessary concession. Mm-hmm. Where it's like this gives me the resources to be able to make my Dark Crystal. To keep these characters in the public enough that they become bankable that I can use them for other things. 
what have you. And then perhaps Miyazaki came to some sort of conclusion like that. What I found out from this article was that everyone was trying to merchandise these films for a long time, and he didn't want to do it. Because kids, like, they, they read right. the thing. And he was like, no, 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 no. Which, of course, made people work harder and harder to try to sell them on the idea. And they were like, eventually someone came into our offices, a company with a Totoro plush that was so well-crafted that he had to concede. That the thing that won him over where he was like, you have put as much care and attention into the crafting of this toy as I do into my films. I recognize the work. I concede. But that the thing that they agreed upon was we cannot make more than $10 million in any year off of merchandising. So they cap how many merchandising deals they have wow. per year and how much they can produce because they're Ooh. like, we need to artificially limit the amount of merchandise that's going out there so we can retain to some degree the purity of the character. That is the most un-American thing I've ever it's heard right. in my entire right. life. Right. It blew right. my fucking mind. And he was like, we found out, I found out at some point that the people in the back office were hiding from me that our grosses had exceeded that. Right. That we had started tipping towards like 15 and I got angry and fired. You had them all killed, yeah. And like reset it. And it was like 10 is the limit. Now there's so much stuff out there because now it's been merchandised for like 20 years. Well, this is where I, I actually cross over into the toy world. The sure. only place really is like when you talk about Gund, which is the yes. company that, right. that makes a lot of the higher end Totoro stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean like the, the Totoro toys, which again, I've used as like lifelines to my nieces, uh-huh. are like so well designed. That's the thing. They're crazy well made and they're pretty limited in terms of what the range is and it also feels like they're cycling stuff out. Like there aren't like evergreen, like, oh, this is always produced. It's like every year there's like a new line there's always some Totoro in circulation, but I'll see as I've been like mapping this stuff that like certain years, certain films have larger merchandising presences than others and not just tied to what's the most recent. There's a lot of no face stuff out there right He's now. Cool, dude. Yeah, but I'm just saying there's like a cycle to it where it's like, you know. Something. He does have a face. He went to <laughs> that and he said, I want to take my face off. But that's all he did. Have you seen that video that was going around of like the onset video of Travolta and Cage? No shooting that scene no. <sighs> amazing we were never so lucky as to have face off no you know what i mean i mean i'll say it anytime i can for a film that's discussed a lot we do not discuss enough that the second act of face off is a magnet jail escape magnet jail yep. yeah everyone it's got true. so excited when fucking guy pierce went to space jail but it was like you all slept on magnet jail i think when i Come first correct. saw face off when i was 12 yeah. or whatever you know like yeah i was like this movie is like Nicolas Cage and they, John Travolta swap right. faces and they like jump in the air and shoot guns, right? right. Um, like the magnet jail is not touched on much. It's in like, like 45 the, minutes. So. It's basically like the like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you know, yeah. They're shooting the scene yeah. where John Travolta is telling Cage, who is actually John Travolta, under yeah. his face. Wait a second. What? Wait, wait, wait. Face is off? Okay, so let me explain <laughs> the, plot, the premise You're of You're saying they took his face. Does CCH oh. Pounder fit a figure into this? Put up Margaret Cho. <laughs> All right, don't, don't send me down the uh, ER rabbit hole. But... Uh, the uh, so so stand. he's like I'm gonna go fuck your wife or whatever right. and he like grabs Nicolas Cage and then they call cut and and John Travolta's like or one of them is like did I hurt you or whatever and John Travolta walks away and he's so giddy at how fucking wild this movie right. is right. that he just goes he makes the broken arrow like wee right, <laughs> like right, jumps right. up and down he's like this is nuts I love it and Nicolas Cage is like quivering in the corner because he's so in this character oh it's great. Two great, two great performances. <laughs> um, the other crazy thing that came out in this article that I read sure. is that, uh, and this is, talk about another thing that's super un-American, but I read this and it almost made me cry. Yeah. 
especially like fearing the kind of feeling the kind of generalized anxiety I do about the state of the entertainment industry right now. Mm. He was like, look, people always try to say to me, why don't you uh, allow for more merchandising? Uh, because uh, then you'll have the money to make whatever you need to make. And he was like, I have been very adamant in the way I ran this company that we do not need to make a profit every year and we do not need to increase profits every year. Right. And we can – it's fine if we have a down year. Was this interview conducted before like 2015 or after? This was uh, – now I need to find it. Because uh, that some of that logic, uh, as much as, uh, much as I respect it, came around to bite them in the ass a little bit. Sure. And now they're opening the theme park. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was probably around 2015. Sure. But um, his point he was making, which is the thing that people don't think about anymore, where he's like there's this, this psychology, this mentality of like every quarter needs to be bigger than the last quarter and bigger than the comparative quarter from the previous year and all of that. And I think that's unsustainable and you need to accept that like sometimes a year is bigger or smaller and I don't want the company to grow. <laughs> like I want the company to stay at a manageable size. I want to like – commit to numbers where like we won't go under where no single film has the ability to like you know kick us under but also we can survive without making a movie for a year yeah. or two he doesn't want a dark phoenix it right right exactly um and and the merchandising thing is part of that and then he also talked about not wanting the films on streaming platforms and he was like look there's no amount of money that matters to us you know we know our operational costs uh we don't want the films to be flattened on a platform it makes sense. where then it becomes just another piece of They're afraid content. of you turning it on and watching it in the background or whatever. Right. right? You know what I mean? It's sort right. of that thing. Like, right. In the same way that they're afraid of like, what if you just like slap Ponyo on anything? Yeah, exactly. Right. right. I, I understand that. They want to retain some sort of uh, uh, control over how the characters exist in our culture. And, and I've so seen annoyed debates when I and I saw like a Ponyo lunch debates playing out in our Reddit. <laughs> Ponyo and Ham. But like people being like, yeah, but you know, it's better if it's on Netflix because, you know, more people get to see it and access and all that. And it's like, but you're putting it in the hands of a for-profit company yeah. that is going to do what it wants with it mm -hmm. once it's on its platform. Like it's not, Netflix is not a fucking public resource. Yes, which people think it is. Yes. Anyway, that's I all. would love like that video, uh, immortal, iconic video of Miyazaki talking about that AI-driven animation. I finally watched it for the first time this morning. Had not seen right. it. Right. I mean, that, they're putting that video on the Criterion Collection yes. later this year. So We're we'll doing an episode just it. on that video. Yes. Um, this person has not experienced pain in their life. <laughs> but like they – And he's like, um, right now? <laughs> I would say I have the looks on their face. I would love to see a version of that video about someone talking about Netflix or trying to sell Miyazaki on Netflix. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You want a series of those videos just out there. Like like the, you know, Ricky Gervais meeting all his like comedy idols and all of them hating him. Right. Or, you know, or just um, the Hitler downfall. But, you know, Miyazaki right. reacting to right. X. Yes. Right, right, right. No, but I also I want yeah, I, know, I, I, know I would like the saying. meme version of it. But you also just want to see like. And now Rick, Ricky's obsessed with this guy. And right. the guy's like, oh, hi. Yeah. Okay. You're like this all the time. And Ricky's yeah. like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want the different titans of industry right. present themselves to Here's Miyazaki. Here's our vision of art. And you guess right. that was celebrity podcast now, though. It's like Dak Shepard talking to Burt Reynolds. I mean, Burt yeah. Reynolds dead. Never won an armchair expert. He might have gotten in the armchair yeah. time. I don't know. I, can I tell is? you a secret? It's an armchair. Yeah. Like this podcast is fine. I want to be an armchair expert. Yeah, everyone wants to be an armchair. Who the fuck is armchair? I love that show. 
You know, I just got to say, can I, I just say briefly, and it's going to be very topical by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Right. Dak Shepard's podcast, the sixth biggest podcast on the internet. Um, can I just say... Is, there's a list now? We can officially say, like, six? I mean, I look There is the a iTunes framed record-shaped, like, whatever uh-huh. it's called, jewel case of yeah. the blank check artwork in the hallway of audio. Yes. By the way. Yes. Sorry. Yes. We appreciate Sorry. it. Uh, right. We've gone platinum. Um, uh, I just want to say briefly, because, you know, was so worried about pod fade, that this podcast was going to fade <laughs> from existence, that it would disappear like the photo and back to the future. Yeah. And not only will we not be able to keep making it, but the past episodes will have never existed. Right. We've been wiped yeah. from the timeline. Classic I'm my own grandpa kind of situation. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Conan O'Brien, for right. saving the podcast. No, no, no. I'm, he I'm, created I, it. I disagree with this He snark. made the first podcast and now I, we can continue I not living. only listen to Conan's show religiously. It's a great podcast. But also great podcast. And the first one. The writer's mm-hmm. podcast that they put on Fridays. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with the Andy Richter one, but I do want to say, uh, and I, I was thinking about this earlier, a big thank you to the Blank Check Boys for not having seasons. Mm. So it's a fucking podcast, Conan. Series. Keep recording. Let's go. You yeah, we have many series, episodes. but we don't, don't like care. take breaks in right. between. Them. You know, I'll be people... back in October. Right. Fuck you. I'll be here every week. The only people who I love do that for me. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ben. The only people who do seasons are people who Cowards. are in a position to renegotiate their deal structure <laughs> in between seasons. Uh, but anyway, it's a long way of saying that uh, Miyazaki very important to me. Uh, yes. The Wind Rises, my favorite animated movie ever made. That's your number one. Um, number one. So this is the wind uh, rises is like unspeakable. We right, can't, I saw. It's like when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, "Right, we can't talk." I, about I, it. I am no very afraid of listening to that right. episode of this podcast. Almost as afraid as I would be Why? as if I were. It's on just going to be us talking about but Josh Brolin's dick. Oh, great! But I saw you gave it yeah, like five point, stars. We'll, we'll know the story. <laughs> this thing, he's slaying it uh, all over town. But House Moving Castle <laughs> is uh, does feel like the first of his movies where the animation style suddenly because they introduced some digital elements, especially which are kind of cool. They're very jarring. I will say, I think this is my least favorite of the ones we have watched. I've watched all of them other than Mater. Uh, I have watched all of them other than Wind Rises at this point. Oh, you haven't done that yet? No, the last one. I've been been trying to watch them truly in the the near chronological order. That's one reason we wanted to do before Wind Rises. Um, But uh, uh, that's, you know, that's not me slamming the film. This is an excellent group of films. I'm not surprised. That is not a hot take. Would you agree with me, David? Like maybe a lot of people would probably have howled pretty low. Yes. But I thought you would be more into it because it's about like a moving castle and like it's more your vibe. His name is Howl That Rules. Yeah. I mean, I was was surprised that I was not more into it, although I do like it. Sure. Um, But. It would be kind of like, you know, how you responded to like Castle in the Sky. You know, like, you know, you kind of like the weird sort of more world building. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Some of that, too, was the discovery of me seeing that one early on. You have to keep in mind as well. But. uh, Miyazaki said he thinks it's the best thing he's ever done. Yes, he loves it so Well, much. he said that before he made The Wind Rises, but people, it's like when you listen to Tom York talk yeah. about radio and music. It's like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. He, <laughs> like, yeah, he, this movie is very to important it. to him. He said yeah. a lot of wild things about this, yeah. though, that he's right. like, Americans didn't like it because it was about the Iraq war. And I'm like, I know, they didn't know that. <laughs> well, <he was> also <laughs> they, like, they didn't pick up Americans, on that. They're not he said it like guy. while he was making it. He's like, Americans won't like it right. because it touches on the Iraq he, war. He it said, doesn't touch. Right. I mean, of course, I know that he made it in rec- and like he's thinking about this, but I'm right. just saying like people aren't watching that being like, that movie just hated Bush so much. <laughs> right. I he, hate it like I hate the Dixie Chicks. He says that he won the Oscar yeah. 
And while on stage accepting the Academy Award, started to feel conflicted. He didn't accept the Academy Award, just FYI. Oh, right. Yeah. right. Cameron Diaz accepted can, it for Can him I tell right. you that? I right. think that was why he didn't attend, though. Was sure. It was right at the start of the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. was feeling conflicted yeah, about that might, being— I think that's the Michael Moore—that's that year. It is. Right. Yeah. right. The summer before Ponyo came out, I saw the one time I've ever interacted with Miyazaki— what? Was on the this porch or this like and this castle went by. It was this cat. No, it was at San Diego Comic Con where he was very uh, begrudgingly, as you can sure. imagine, yeah. there to promote Ponyo uh-huh. in the summer, a couple weeks before Ponyo's dub came out in the U.S. And you have not, I mean, like as dismayed as he could have conceivably been on stage at the Academy Awards. You yeah. just imagine in your mind's eye what that would have looked like, or how he looks in that video where he's talking to those animators. Right. Uh, double that. Put him at Comic Con, right. smoking on the balcony, staring at his publicist with disgust that goes back. Like her great great grandchildren will come out of the womb <laughs> feeling shame. Uh, it was such a great time to go over there and introduce myself to him. <laughs> I, I had to go. Better. Oh, we're best friends now. I'll okay. text him. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Cameron Diaz, and Hayao Miyazaki hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot believe anyone successfully convinced him to go. I'm actually, my mind is blown. I, I, I assumed just, he just lived. Like by a house with a little tree, and then just didn't leave. Well, like that, that was other, his whole fucking. You know what I mean? And he just like dresses like Van Gogh. And, I don't know like, if you guys are going to cover in any capacity the two documentaries that've been made about Ghibli. We're thinking about we're, is we're, a Thursday bonus. Cover at least one of the that. Kingdom yeah, of yeah, Dreams yeah. and Madness is incredible I unto itself. The one That's the one. The other yeah. one is the other sort one of, is like a DVD extra, right. but it it's does have fine. the animator clip. But it, it really the, is about his home life. This is an insult, right? It's like, and so you really get a sense of what Miyazaki is all about day to day. Yeah, the the other one is interesting just because it's like, is he? It's sort of you watching him on retire. Yeah, you right. know, which is something he's done so many Maybe times. Maybe we'll combine both of them into one app. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was frustrated initially when he was unretired because he made what, to my mind, was like the great cinematic swan song. Right. It's a movie Wind about Rise is such a good retirement movie. Yes. But whatever. And Maybe uh, this next one. And even then better. I pulled my head out of out of my butt, and I was like, of course I want him to make another movie. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it's going to be this grand opus that sounds like a Christopher Nolan movie. It's going to come out time to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Living for it. This is another one, though, that comes out of retirement. Uh, this one, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Well, the, okay, so this is what I want to say. So he doesn't accept the Oscar. He said no. he felt conflicted about being given an award by an American organization as they were going into war. Like, he, I think, views the Academy and the U.S. government as being the same <laughs> you know, Obviously, Ampass was sending <laughs> right. thousands of troops into Iraq. Right. And then I think he might have... <laughs> Finally accepted in the last year or two, but I know for over ten years he Sorry, would, I'm just he, he like declined even like membership. receiving the tr- oh membership. I'm just yeah, he believe like it, I believe he's the now president member. of the academy yeah. being like set like are moving his soldiers around. Sid like, Gannis, Sid Gannis is like send in the green book stamps, yeah, right. <laughs> like, send in the acting branch, send in the cinematographers. Yeah. Like, <sighs> oh, I mean, once the publicist hit the battlefield, it's over. Um, yeah, I believe he refused the trophy, uh, would not return Cameron Diaz's calls. Um, it wouldn't become a member now recently has relented I think he is now a member yeah. but he like he said how kind of came out of him dealing with his frustration over being given a trophy by an American organization because he was like I hate this war I'm a pacifist right. I think this war is pointless 
It will only end in death. I want to explicitly make a movie that Americans will hate. Okay, can I parlay this into my but, big take of the movie? But he's yeah. also making a movie about how it, like, being old is the best. Right, and then yeah. the third thing is it's adapted from a book which is not about either of those things. <laughs> right, right. But I think, and, and we'll get into this when we talk, talk about the, the meat of the movie and particularly the way that war factors into it. But I think what he's talking about, like, really anything in his life that he feels lessens his integrity or is something uh-huh. that he wouldn't live with. I think you see that expressed in this movie, which is really about the residual lessening and dilution of your soul when you do, like every time you do something that is wrong or beneath you yes. or immoral in some way, it's that much harder you to come make back a from it. Right. Well, it's just, it's hard. I mean, this is a movie in very little literal ways when you come to how struggling to revert back to his human form. Yeah. That is, again, in a way that is hyper-literal, but at the same time I find very affecting, uh, about how much harder it is to reassume mm-hmm. this this form of yourself where, the where you can you go about right. Shit. I mean, right. it's just it right. gets harder and harder and harder to come back from that. I think that's a great fucking take. Great take. Uh, killer take. Uh, you make those concessions in your life and in your career, and you end up uh, uh, an old lady with a George Lucas neck, oh, and there's no going back. She's hot though, old Sophie, Lauren Bacall. She can get it. Um, I uh, no Lauren Bacall's the witch of the way. Oh. I think that's who he's he's talking about. Yes. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not talking about. So I'm saying the Witch of the West. I has said old Sophie. Your, sorry, Witch sorry. of the West is the one who has the George Lucas neck. Oh, though. she has the George Lucas. That's right. The, yeah, you know, you're, I mean, recognize my joke. Poor George. Yes, no, you're right. It's yeah. just I'm recognizing your joke while also being like poor old. Poor old George. And yeah, I guess he has his billions of dollars and he made his it. concessions. Yeah, right. right. But I, I do style. think that the you know the digital stuff in here. If you had said to me like you know hand drawn animation traditional two D stuff that's inflected with with digital bits mm-hmm. in my head that looks atrocious. I think that um, obviously they would perfect that that approach, but like the, I turned this movie on for the first time since 2005 and was just bowled over instantly at how fucking beautiful it is. So this is the other thing I find interesting. Uh, and I've just been watching all these in, in you know, quick succession. You're just burning relatively. all of your Pixar memorabilia with every new film. Please. Look, they have a very, very... Clear $10 million cap on merchandising. <laughs> Pixar has never over-merchandised their franchise about toys. Uh, and my bedroom attests to that. Uh, stands as a testament. Um, this movie was produced in like a year. Right. Which I also think a lot of those sort of CGI techniques weren't just them trying to adapt to the times but were like necessary in order to get the movie done. Because we talked about in the Nosk episode how for the big sort of uh, bugs they're using uh, cutout animation. And the castle in this is like a digital version of cutout information, uh, cutout animation, where it is not frame by frame. It is like digital pieces that are being shifted around on the board. And I think that is, this is not a movie he had developed. It was a book they had bought right. b- because Miyazaki thought he the idea of a moving cow off the castle was. He's cool. like, wait, this castle's moving, <laughs> right? Castles usually stay it's still, a very, right? Like, bad right. logic to it, where he's like, "Oh, it's big and it moves. I'm in. Yeah. Here's a year of my life." Someone else was trying to develop it. Uh, yeah, uh, Hosada was going to direct it, I believe. Right? Couldn't crack it. Yes. And um, then was there a crack? Hosada, who, who recently, <laughs> I, I remember Hosada, right? It's he got made, big chicken um, legs. Mirai, oh, yes. which is nominated for an Oscar last year. Right. Um, but yeah, he cra- he he got, I think, kind of got fired by Ghibli. Right. right. Couldn't figure it out. But they had already put a lot of time, yes. I, and I believe money and energy right. into. So Miyazaki like leapt in. Right. So it's like sort of like he went like, well, I got all this uh, hatred for America. <laughs> where, where do I put it? I, I, on the flip side, I'm feeling really good about being old. <laughs> right. right. Silver <laughs> fox ears are. I'm yeah. wearing. 
well. Right. Uh, and here's a movie that someone couldn't take to the finish line. Let me take over and make this in a year, which is like an interesting stew for a movie to come out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and right before this, he said, maybe I'm done. And after this, he said, maybe I'm done. Right. Um, and then this movie kind of like comes out as like a burst. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that thing where you have, I think for him, where you have to go into every project believing it is or could be your last in order to devote as much of himself to these movies as he does. I think it's a good philosophy, too. Like, sure. I think more people should make things like it's the only chance they're ever going to get to make something. Even if they are providing their own resources and have this giant apparatus. Totally. In the same way that I feel like I would have less of an issue with most TV and most franchises now if they also treated every entry like it was going to be the last entry. Sure. And then just came up with something else rather than making everything a, a string along. I'll stop beating this horse with this comment, but how do you look at the lushness of the animation in this? And it's especially, I mean, the animation in The Wind Rises is like my eyes just bleed thinking yeah. about it uh, and and ever go back to like 3D animation. It's, it's, it's an entirely different thing for me. I agree with you in an overall sense that I think most 3D animation is incredibly ugly. I think there are fewer people and fewer studios that know how to do it well. And I think there is a baseline beauty to any hand-drawn animation because of the process of it and because of how direct it is. In the same way that, like, the shittiest-looking movie shot on film looks better to me true. than right. a mid-level digital film. You go to a festival now and you see anything that they project in film, which is right. rare, and right. you're just like, well, this is clearly a masterpiece. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. There's some innate integrity to the analog nature of the thing. Um, but I think there are people who use digital incredibly well. And I think, you know, there are the people who use CGI incredibly well. Uh, we all stand Blobby. He's a legend. Oh my, uh, so Blobby is, uh, his, Blobby's cousins are in this movie. Yeah. That, that is my thing, though, is that, like, uh, watching these movies, I have been relishing watching this much hand-drawn animation, that the digital elements of this kind of irked me, even if I think they're well executed, because I'm like, oh, man, I've been living in this, like, pure hand-drawn world that when I see the CGI augmentations, I think Ponyo handles the CGI stuff better and also ponyo loves ham yeah oh yeah but i think the crazy sort of sparkly ocean effects in ponyo that you could not do hand ponyo is a pretty perfect looking movie yeah yeah this yeah this maybe has a couple moments where you're like oh right and not not really an objection it still looks amazing it's an amazing looking movie it's real pretty yeah it's pretty Um, yes he real Powell is miyazaki's like ultimate anime boy uh he is like the only uh, one of the only means, I mean, especially because it seldom goes into like the male, like pinup sort of yeah, look. But, he's really uh, fucking but like, Hal's super fuckable yeah. and he looks like, uh, also, I don't know how old he is. I feel like he's always younger than I think. So I, I should be careful. But, um, how? Yeah. We think he's a minor? I mean, he's like, he, like, there's the vibe that he's like kind of hundreds of years old, but also that he is a little boy. He was um, a little boy. He was spotted with Brian Singer at the Chateau. Oh, okay. I'm not drawing any conclusions. Jesus. I just want to thank Griffin for, he was taking for havoc. what I said and then making it worse so that I was sort of off the hook. That's just good hosting. They were in talks. Uh, but the he is an anime boy. He could he have is been... 27 years according to the Ghibli Wiki. Okay. He could have been... The plucked, Ghibli Wiki. <laughs> he could have been plucked from like an average anime and not straight from the... Yes. Sort of no, no, he's right. got that, but he's right. so... You know, it's a, just it's the, the look. I mean, he looks emo like the puppet era. master He's from so fun. Ghost in the Shell or something. Uh, uh, cool yes. guy. Um, well, puppet. I mean, the puppet master has more of a gender fluid thing going on. Than cool Hal person, doesn't, but yeah. I th- I finally broke down and I watched this one with the dub. 
Interesting. Um, not a dub I'd highly recommend. No, really? no I kind it, of a I bad I thought it was dub. good, but I know it's not famous for being one of the better dubs. I was I perfectly like satisfied dub. with it. It's fine. Billy I, Crystal's good. Crystal okay, is so rocking I, it. This is what I want to say. Crystal's in the pocket. Billy yeah. Crystal, man, I've never said anything bad about on this podcast before. I've only spoke highly of. <laughs> right, and if you ever speak poorly of him, you demand that Ben edit it out. Right. Right. Uh, Did you ever hear about the Sundays he spent with his father? I heard they're great. He likes the Yankees. I know, and I love it. I have nothing negative to say about it. Uh, I love his sort of emotional tendencies. Uh, I love his love of old Hollywood. for Miyazaki to cast, although I don't know how involved Miyazaki was, with the ultimate Oscar host. Yes. Right after her uh, boycotting the Oscars. I think he demanded Crystal. <laughs> oh, that will show together, them. They were just like, yeah. Oscars have gotten bad, haven't they? Right. Yeah, right. Uh, no, but Billy Crystal was always good hosting the Oscars, and I've always loved every performance he did on the Oscars. And I'm not certainly living in the mistakes of me choosing to talk about whatever I want in this podcast uh, with a now dormant acting career. But Billy Crystal kills it in this movie. Yeah. I think the dub is incredible. You think it's incredible? I think it's one of the best I dubs I've ever heard. I think really good, too. Uh, I, th- I switched over to the dub to remind myself because I think I saw the dub in theaters and I switched right back. I was like, eh, well, this is no, the other thing you. I wanted to say why I brought it up. Bale's really fucking hot in this movie. Oh, Bale's great. Bale, Bale slays it. It's also you have the added benefit of picturing whenever you get bored Christian Bale in the recording voice in the recording booth rather having to talk about like the witch of the west and how like yeah. sad he is that he's not hot for the moment and this is 2004 this comes out uh, five in the US five in the US yeah, yeah. premiered at Venice okay so this did is he like starve himself for this role <laughs> he, did. Yeah. he grew uh, bird feathers did he, the... blo- did he train to become animated <laughs> so we're talking it's right before Batman begins right. you know when he's making it he's probably machinist weight yeah he, like tore the sound recording guy like a new asshole when he like accidentally whispered in his eye his ear line what I like about this performance is I feel like it's Bale in the like uh, little women uh, newsies mode right. like the trajectory people yeah. thought he was gonna people have thought as he a was gonna actor. be a cutie pie I feel right. like it's right. one of Christian Bale's best performances he's really good <laughs> Dave, he's the so face, charming the face David L. Sims just made <laughs> was so unhappy with what I just said I was just like I was all in on Hal between the design and his voice mm. he is such a little Emily yeah go on sorry a little charming person yeah the thing that's weird about the dub and sort of interesting uh-huh. is the way she reverts. She switches yeah. between voices in the middle of a line, uh-huh. you know, because sometimes her face will change to young again yes. and Emily Mortimer will do that. You know, right. like it's one actor in the Japanese version. Yeah. The other weird thing is that Emily Mortimer is hired to play a child. Well, she's not a child. I mean, she's, she's not a like child. A, she's like a teen. Yeah, late teen. But Emily Mortimer is not a teenager. Uh, actually, she is. She's Jack disease. Okay. Yeah. Eternal teenager. Yeah. I, I was a Jack. <laughs> I, um, I don't yeah. She has that. very yeah. delicate bones, and yeah. she yes. brings, I think, like, she has the right spirit, the right naivete mixed with curiosity. I think it's a very good performance. That performance. Um, I just think it's unusual it's that weird. the premise of the film is a teenager being stuck in the body they of an had old person. They asked every Cyrus. They'd already tapped them all. Well, I guess Pine Josh Hutcherson yeah. crushes it sure. as the little guy. I mean, this is he's just starting to cook with gas. Yeah. <laughs> little Manhattan's a thorough. Let me tell you how to crush Josh Hutcherson. Fuck. Little Manhattan is a movie that is okay. Little Manhattan is a movie that is truly impossible to watch without cringing so hard. I have not watched implodes. it. Couldn't. Little Manhattan. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you, how about a movie called Little Actor? Josh Hutcherson. He's small. He's in my pocket right here. Uh, look, I He's never... been a guest on Armchair Expert. What the fuck is it? What <laughs> the the sixth biggest podcast in the no, world. I don't get it. Did he sit in the armchair and he's like, 
All right, you're in the armchair. Yeah, Dak Shepard has a recording studio in his attic of his home he owns with Kristen Bell, and he has an armchair that she bought for him, and he sits in the armchair and he interviews people. So it's just an interview show. Humongous. Okay. But no, but I'm saying like the armchair expert doesn't actually, it's not like someone comes in and they're like, the thing I'm an expert about is. But the thing is that like Dak Shepard's, Dak Shepard's whole thing is this sort of, he's very insecure about yeah. masculinity. Mm-hmm. His very performative masculine sense. He needs to be able to do anything. Uh, if he sees like a flat tire, he's got to fix it. You know, he's by a lot of things, stuff with cars. He um, considers so, himself. Right. He has sort of a, an expert complex. Uh-huh. And he has to sort of convince like he himself can't do anything he without, know everything. Right, okay. He is the titular armchair expert. Mm. So as an interviewer, it's like he wants to know as much as the person he's talking to. Does about. he like talk about without a paddle a lot? Or? Yes. Yes. He had Seth Green on. They go into it. Mm. They, they get into it? Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Right in the river. <laughs> <laughs> but do, wait, do they have paddles? No. Oh. It's interesting, oh, though, to not hear someone <laughs> talk about like these forgotten movies, like which were obviously, understandably, such pivotal moments in their lives. Of course. And, you know, these are movies that that you know, to use the parlance of this show, no longer exist. But for them, it is a chapter in their existence. He's like above the title on a studio film. Yeah, he directed Chips. He directed Chips. Um, does he, when he talks about without a paddle on Armchair Expert, does he call it paddle? He might. It's one of my favorite things when people um, talk paddle, about This their picture project. I did yeah. in, in They just pick one word from yeah. the title. Uh, he would be a great voice in a Miyazaki dub. Uh, I don't know who we played in this film, but I do it, think everyone is very well cast. It was, it was a picture I did with Brill. Uh, Paddle. I, don't know. I had to look <laughs> I was doing a movie with Steve Brill uh, when we were filming Paddle, actually. And, you know, Abraham Ben Ruby, that guy's got stories. Who's that? He's, you know him. He's Jerry from ER. He's in Without oh, a Paddle. God. He usually plays like giant people. Jerry is AWOL. I'm in season six right now. Jerry, Jerry is AWOL. Jerry got a job on, sometimes Abraham Ben Ruby would get hired on other shows, so then oh, Jerry's wow. not in ER yeah. for a while, and then he comes back, and they're like, he's, they're like, hey Jerry, how you doing? And he's like, I'm good, and you're like, I guess this show got canceled. How was your four years sabbatical? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Your four years sabbatical from being a desk clerk. <laughs> well, you were paid the whole time, because yeah. you're just so charming. Right. Couldn't afford to lose you. I do think the dub in this is extraordinary. Uh, I, I, I'm a very hardliner about subs and dubs when it comes to anime. I think the idea of watching the Wind Rises dubbed and not in the Japanese track, which uh, I'm sure you guys will discuss. Mm. You butchered his name and work when you talked about him on Nausicaa episode. Uh, Hideaki Anno, who is not David Sims, referred to him in a way that I could feel anime fans dying across the world as one of the big guys from Evangelion, which is saying that like... I'm getting some water while it's supposed to You can't take the heat. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, uh, it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the appropriate analog for that would be, but uh, he is. Evangelion. Uh, he voices the main character in The Wind Rises, and gotcha. it is the single greatest voice performance I have ever heard in any language in any movie. Fuck, I need to watch it. I just I've been uh, I've been very depressed recently, and I do find it hard to focus on the movies subtitled, and it is because they are so visual. Sure. When I'm watching them at home. That the sort of like shifting of concentration has been difficult. You for will me. find the Hideaki Anno. I've, I've watched voice every other one interesting. with subtitles, and this was the first one where I broke down and was like, "I'm just gonna." I'm well, gonna if you're feeling tired, right? Yeah. But right. he does something, and I, we won't have to belabor this because you do a whole episode on it. But like, he does something that I've never heard before, which is just like, it's just uh, it doesn't feel like he's in a booth recording something. It, it feels like a human being that's just sort of like in this animated shell. It's a very organic grounded 
uh, fraught performance. Uh, unlike the sort of broader stuff that you hear in House Moving Castle, but Who you know, uh, Hideaki Anno in uh, The Wind Rises, who plays the lead guy. Um, it's incredible. Sucking on a clementine. It went everywhere. But also, Juice. if you're depressed, you yeah. can watch the dub of, of Neon Genesis Evangelion. That's a show for depressed people. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I should wallow in it or fight you against gotta it. You got to wallow. Fight. Um, I love to wallow. And there are the angel and devil on my shoulders, <laughs> the two Davids. I'm an angel. I just uh, want to point out that Ehrlich, Angel hasn't fallen. Ehrlich started criticizing you. You threw your arms <laughs> up in the air, walked out of the studio, and came back in sucking a clementine the second the subject was over. <laughs> And now he's making his stinky <laughs> this is my baby suck in a face. Oh, it's fine. You weren't an anime boy, you know. You probably, uh, yeah, you got your own stuff. I you, do. I do feel like I'm getting raked even more than usual for mispronouncing things on this miniseries. It's not as like, if I that's don't what mispronounce you do. every American you, word. You, you, you I mispronounce everything. I said hyperbole for four years on this podcast. Yeah, there, there's a guy in the Reddit who's writing like we book like bursts about. Uh, the way the language is used and even like the titles of these movies. So right. The resources the are coming to, the to movie you. Bowl. Uh, I know you did. But Lauren Bacall, Lauren Bacall of Lauren Ernest Bacall. and Celestine fame. So I, <laughs> I saw Ernest and Celestine in this economy. I saw, <laughs> what if Ernest and Celestine, I saw Ernest. the Hobbs and Shaw of 2014. <laughs> I saw a movie with Lauren Bacall in it last night at Metrograph. And then did not realize that Lauren Bacall was in the dub of this movie. Like, what, what movie did you see? I saw the Cobwebs, the the Vincent Minnelli movie. How was it? Uh, very weird. Never seen that. Don't think I like it. I like Minnelli. I do too. Right. This is a, uh, a mental mental institution drama mm. that is largely about drapes. Yeah. It's like a and drape. In the forties and fifties that a really strong good. handle on what that would look like. So that's the thing. <laughs> But it's like Richard Widmark and uh, Charles Boyer. In the 50s, there were so many movies about drapes, though. It's Lillian just like, Gish. It's, it, it was like Marvel now. That's my it's problem with, like with Hitchcock's Spellbound. Right. It's just like they're they're talking about psychology in a way that has not aged well. Well, this movie is mostly them talking about which drapes they're going to pick. <laughs> okay. And I'm not overstating this. It's 75% drapes. But I was watching Lauren Bacall in like peak like it's a 50s. Young Lauren Bacall where I'm just like, God damn it, that's a fucking movie star. Sure. Like she doesn't talk I think for the first 30 minutes of the movie and she's just in group scenes. Mm -hmm. And because it's like Minnelli, it's like the group scene is a one -er. sure. Like it's a master shot with a little bit of camera movement. So you're just watching her in the background of a shot, like read a newspaper or whatever. And I'm just like, look, like that person just it's knows like Dogville. how to be on camera. <laughs> you can right. just see through the set and she's right. making a pie or something. Right. She's just like there. And I'm like, that's someone who just like knows how to fucking be on camera and be electric. Mm -hmm. And like, look at how much control she has over a movie star persona how she like catches the light and how she's dressed and all this. And then to watch this movie with her like big neck and she's like, it's <laughs> a weird before. I, she's great. That in, character is insane. She's yeah. great in it, like, but I couldn't help but wonder like, did they just not show her what this character was going to look like? They must not have. Cause you well, just, you think it, when you're doing a dub, do you think you're doing it to like an essentially completed movie? Cause like sometimes, you know, the English dub always comes out later. Right. I mean, a lot of the rewriting, because I did, I watched it with the dub, but with the subtitles from the Japanese version. Well, that's insane. I want to see what the differences yeah, I were. I, I do that. And uh, for this one, the differences are just paraphrasing to fit the meter of the mouth movements. Right, right. It's like they'll reconstruct the sentence. I think the more, the longer things went on, the yeah. more that became. 
Because those earlier ones, as some fans have noted, like right. in Nausicaa, she's like, what's over there? Oh, my God. Like the, that sort of thing right. of like but kids need dialogue at all times. We you know, say, gotta like, cram it with. The, the opening of this movie, I don't know if you want to set up the plot, but like the opening of this movie is. What's set up the plot? <laughs> a castle moves. Yeah, so there's a moving castle and the world is at war. Hey, we gotta set the plot. There's a moving castle and the world is at war. Slow down. Uh, but Christian Bale, the way, like, you know, in their meet cute where mm-hmm. he is basically playing, like, mystery, the pickup artist, and he, like, swings yeah. in and starts negging the bad guys. And uh-huh. then it's like, oh, the, these, like, wannabe rapists aren't so bad, which is a weird line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, you get, because of his vocal performance, why she would be so sort of beguiled and, and attracted to him. He like, is captivating yeah. in every sense. Right. She's running. He's a, he's a dream boy. To her family's hat store. That's right. Which is called. Hold on. I have it here. Where did I write it down? This is very important. It's called Hatter's Hats. It's a really good name. Hatter Hats. Hatter Hats. Okay. okay. It is so nice. I named it twice. Yep. Um, and, and she runs into uh, this uh, wizard pickup artist. Um, who who saves her? Mm-hmm. Um, but but she's very quickly uh, uh, cursed by, almost uh, inexplicably, right? Well, a mean old lady, a very jealous old lady. Yeah, jealous of her youth. Yes. Um, in the her book, of youth. the witch of the waste is like the main villain. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in this, I think it's like she's a villain for five minutes, then she gets cucked, <laughs> and then she spends the rest of it being like a nice old lady. Right. I mean, Miyazaki doesn't really at this point going forward. I mean, really, for a while now, has not mm-hmm. believed in villains. Doesn't, doesn't really like villains. Doesn't like them. Doesn't that, like them. That's his whole thing, kind of, is to like, remove these binaries. Right. 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 He, he takes aim at certain flaws that manifest in people, vanity being right. one of them in this movie, uh, which especially with the, the Witch of the Waste is, is a big thing. But he doesn't really hold like the people accountable. I got to say, for the listener at home, Sims is going full Chalamet on this Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't eat the pizza. I'm eating the peach. Uh, well, yeah, and for the listener at home, uh, Sims isn't eating it. When he's, I said he's going full Chalamet. He's doing the full Chalamet if Army Hammer hadn't showed up. He's completing the act. Messy Clementine. Jeez. Least professional person in the world. You know, this right now, what we're witnessing yeah. is why I don't eat fruit. I would love to see uh, David uh, uh, participating in the presidential debate. Ben just left. <laughs> and the second anyone just says, like, Sims... Your healthcare policy is full of holes. You just throw your hands up in the air, walk off stage, and come back with a peach. <laughs> just eating fruit. Thanks, buddy. Okay, and Ben brought up paper towel. That's Appreciate the worst it. episode mm-hmm. ever. Ehrlich's fighting. Fighting. I'm just admiring Ben's episode. producing. He sensed a need, mm-hmm. and he uh, went and fixed it. Can I give my take? Please. <laughs> Okay, so I watched this movie this morning. Cool. Okay. It's actually kind of a cool movie to watch first thing in the morning. Yeah. Sure. Very yeah. atmospheric. Mm. Cup of coffee and some howl. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you guys believe in demons? Do I? Hmm. Uh, yeah, what I do think you there's one in the White House right now. <laughs> hey, yo. Donald um, Trump more like a <laughs> Satan Trump. I don't know. <laughs> A demon Trump. <laughs> now, I don't know very much about most things in the world. Uh, Japan, my understanding is they have culturally a mythology about demons and spirits. I don't, I'm not that familiar, but they have a own, their own unique mm-hmm, kind of sure. thing yeah. going on there. Correct. Oni. 
I don't even know what that is. No. That's, yeah, I mean, but I'm not going to speak on this. behalf of Japanese uh, folklore, but. Not a religious person. Mm. Don't really believe in the afterlife mm. or you like spirituality. <laughs> All I want to say is that I do believe in demons. Of course though. you do. Okay. Of course you do. Something I wrote down in my notes was sludge demons in top hats. How do you feel about that? <laughs> They're great. <laughs> I wish that I had sludge friends. <laughs> I just you wish- don't? <laughs> I kind of do. I wish that every morning I like made my eggs and my fire talked to me. Okay, sounds like we, a great breakfast. Can we talk about the fact that Billy Crystal is literally straight fire in this movie? <laughs> he is. He is he the is. fire emoji if... Uh, animators had to spend two years animating. Is this it. his last good performance? Uh, Monsters Universe. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that eye roll. Can you do it louder? Creak. <laughs> oh, there's someone at the door. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, it's me. You don't like it's me, me in Monsters University? Oh, I gotta go to a go Yankees game my, right now. Mike Wazowski, my favorite friend, and look at it, how well animated you I, are. I will say. I got another character coming in, uh, the jazz man. Bring him in, oh, boys. No. Wait, no, I don't want to call the police. No, I don't want to <laughs> say anything bad about Billy. I'm trying to be positive. Mm. The the pivot in the second half of this movie to actually Calcifer is the most important character. Love right. it. Not not one that I. It's, but it's that's not one that I enjoy. Right. All right. Because so you don't like it. No, I like it. The second half of this movie is where uh, you know. Well, the second half of the movie. So to quote an immortal Dax Shepard film or the title of one, this is where you leave me. <laughs> I greatly prefer the first hour of this movie. Really, I kind of. But Howl's not. There's not a lot of Howl in the first hour. There's I, just the right amount of Howl. I think you get a right. Like you get a nice sort of buffet of all these different Howl's elements. Busy. You get it. Like he's doing building. things. Yeah. He's busy. He's turning into yeah. a giant raven or something and fighting wars. And every time he shows up, it's a great time. The second half becomes so much the anti-war stuff. It does. It does. Which it's I like, think is like thematically the best thing about the movie. But the way that it's expressed, it's a little when they yes. the little. It's just a little bit too much, too on the nose. Yes. It sort of gets diluted where. I know exactly what's going on under the surface during the first half of this movie. Yeah. And then as soon as he goes to see the king and the right. Lord He's McCall like a and so bird on. Man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, but I love the Birdman stuff. But once they lean into the Birdman stuff and like it really is just sort of about the the logistics of him fighting and yeah. turn, and they start making up these rules about like, oh, Calcifer is a shooting star and he's got Hal's heart and they just cut to like a little heart sitting in the fire. It's like, yeah, it's been there the whole time. That, that stuff, yeah, it gets a little too plotty for yeah. me. And, uh, you know, if I'm watching Amir Zaki, I'm, I'm wanting the the organic sort of free-flowing sort right. of dream logic thing. Right. And it starts conforming to a little bit more of... It gets a little bogged down in world building. Which makes sense when you view this movie as like a product of his anger. Like this is a tiny, like he's got a specific axe to grind. Whereas like the stuff about like learning to enjoy being old feels like so natural. I love how unbothered she is. Like that scene where she's climbing up towards the castle for the first time. And she's like, I like being old. Nobody bothers you. I love her. (laughs) Uh, Is there a protagonist like her in an animated movie? She's wonderful. I she love she is, and it's a really interesting inversion on the fact that Sophie, until she's transformed, laments that she doesn't get enough attention. Yes. And and it's fun to see her sort of swing the other way. I think that it's sort of the arc of life in right. a yes. lot of ways. Right. Uh, right. At a certain point, you're like, it's so great that people leave me alone. Yeah, leave right. me alone. I also think it's such a great high concept premise because you have so many movies where it's like a kid wakes up and they're in the body of like a 30 to 40 year old movie star. 
But none of them are just like, you're fucking old now. Right. Now you're a geezer. And I love that there's only like five minutes of her freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then she starts like getting productive in terms of like survival. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, actually, this rules. Well, the first thing she does is, well, maybe not the first thing, but one important thing that you have to do when you are magically transformed into an old crone mm-hmm. is befriend uh, a guy named Turniphead. You got it. Uh, who will Got to befriend Turniphead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean- but I love can the freak, the freak I out. So I mean, much. we'll get to Turnip Head. Gentlemen, Turnip Head. One of the great movies, one of the great moments in all movie history is, of course, when uh, she kisses Turnip Head, and then he's like, "Oh, hey, I'm a guy named Justin." And I mean, <laughs> I was okay. So we can get to it. All right. My no. favorite thing is when he pops it, and he's like, "I am a Disney prince. I had a whole adventure, and I have, and will you be?" And she's like. Huh? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I thought I was kissing a turnip. <laughs> yeah. thought but I was I mean, just laying some tongue on some turnip. so uninterested in him, yeah, even though right. she likes him. Like, right. she's right back to Hal. Uh, and he's like, but I'm the king of the kingdom. I, uh, I get to go to my kingdom now. And she's like, all right, all yeah, right. But I'll see you later, I, love, I love when looking she is old. Looking to play the field a little bit right, right now. <laughs> I'm really looking to lock it up with a turnip man. I love how she's senile and like comically so, but not... Yeah. Not insultingly, so like she's yes. that moment where she freaks out and runs away from the mirror, and then like runs back as if she's forgotten, sort of already what That's she saw. Face. It's yeah. great. It's great. She's great. She's a great kid. She's a great kid. She also has this line that uh, in the dub is uh, is delivered so beautifully, um, which is actually what's Sophie's sister, who I would watch an entire movie about because it seems like she is getting around that restaurant. Uh, literally, there's five minutes of everyone just being mm-hmm. like, hi, Letty, hi, Letty, hi, Letty. They all know her very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, she says to uh, Sophie, oh, hey, someone just told me you floated down to the balcony. <laughs> which is just like, it, which is, uh, it throws you off, but it also, in a way that is very organic, in a way that some of the stuff in this movie is not, uh, establishes how this world is right in the middle of a Venn diagram between fantasy and reality. Right. Like that, you can choose to view that as a clunky line or you can go in this world, that's the equivalent of like, oh, someone told me you were here. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was a hot wizard. Right. Yeah, it happens. You floated down from the balcony, of course. So she gets turned into an old lady. Yeah. She goes to this moving castle that's moving around. Yeah. Who's there? Howl. Howl? Calcifer? Anyone else? Turniphead. Turniphead. Lil' Joss Hutchinson. Little Hutchie, of right. course. Who transforms into a bearded gnome. Yep. So cool. Uh, so cool. Very good disguise. And yeah. uh, the Witch of the Waste, uh, yeah. eventually. Right. Um, who are all kind of people who are like, just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to deal with this anymore, right? Like, right. they all have that kind of, that version of a vibe. Right. Like, Calcifer's like, I was a star or something for a while. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm happy just cooking eggs. <laughs> well, only when Hal says so. Yeah. And keeps the, the castle moving. He does keep the castle moving. I love, I love the fact that you can only get into the castle through this like little back door on the rear. It's very video game. Breaking news. What? what? This is huge. What? I'm sorry. Okay. Matrix Four. Lana Wachowski directing. Oh, yes. Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss are in it. What? I don't know what to tell you. What? Because they were denying it as of a week ago. A week Just ago. Just Lana, as as we sort of have already figured out, Lily it appears sort of Lana and Lily retired. have, right, sort of split. Did Fishburne I, die? Uh, I don't know. He's not in this release, that's all. I mean, you know. I mean, they could just 
Yeah. I mean, Carrie like Ann Moss's character from... did die, as right. did oh, Keanu's. Right. Lana mm. was at the TCAs a week ago when we were recording and denied this. It was, it was Lana, because Lana's the one who's working on that show yeah, right now. Lily's not doing anything now. Lily mm. is sort of apparently just kind of done. Really? Making stuff. Wait, I, I have to double check this. It's it, it, The two L names, sometimes I really Am I get... wrong about this? No. Lily was the one who was just... At the, she was at a Glad panel. Oh, interesting. Talking about, um, you know, Sensei. And she's the one working on working. On the new they show. Have, okay. They have creatively, it seems, divorced. Mm. Uh, so Lana uh, is the, uh, you know, who is the one that looks like um, Duna Bay and Jupiter Ascending. You know, wow. pink, pink dreadlocks. Sure. Yeah. So they're fully, wow. And it's not a Zach Penn movie. I fucking hope not. <laughs> and they're Jesus. coming back. Did you see the other crazy story? What? The uh, Spider-Man thing. Sony's yeah. taking away Spider-Man. Yeah, that, that seems like public um, uh, public negotiation. Though. Wait, what are they doing? It's, so, it's, Feige's like, I'm not producing any more Spider-Man. He's out of the cinematic universe. Whatever. I mean, but that, that to me more feels, you know, negotiating public where they're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then like, maybe there'll be a fan backlash and Sony will be like, all right, all right, all right. Lucky like, what do you want? Jada yeah. Pinkett Smith that she was killed from Angel Has Fallen. So she'll be free to... Niobe. Bring Matrix Niobe 4. back. Yeah. Bring the fucking Neurovingian back. Bring back the Neurovingian Disney Plus series. Or yeah. HBO Max, whatever, whoever owns this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. This is crazy because I like I feel like Lana said I'm not involved at all. Right. I wish Lily. Lily, I'm sorry. Lily said I'm not involved at all. I wish him the best of luck. I hope it's better. Because there was that initial, like, they're exploring... Zach Penn was going to do, like, a young Morpheus movie with My- Michael B. Williams. Was the... Michael George. B. George. Sorry. Um, this, I gotta say, this is, like... Th- this does not feel right. like surprising news. Shut I, I feel like up. we all knew this was coming. No, I knew it was coming, but I figured it was not going to yeah. be Wachowski's. Right. And, and no Keanu. And, and I thought if Wachowski's weren't doing it, Keanu wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, right. He'd, he'd sure. been clear he wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And, like, to me, Revolutions ends with a very much, like, I know what that... that you can do anything from there. What's sure. Revolutions? The, the last one. The Matrix Evolution. They made sequels? <laughs> <laughs> and David's going for a second Clementine. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> and he's now truly doing it. He is walking out the door. I expect a re-entrance with Clementine. Anyway. I thought it was just Matrix and Matrix. Matrix 4. <laughs> the Animatrix. Where they just called it two. Correct. Two full movies no, because there I, are so many parts. I feel like we've been living with an understanding that The Matrix was going to get brought back in some capacity. Yes. But it seemed like the Wachowskis were not going to be involved at all. Or if they were, it would be in a very slight sort of advisory position. And if they weren't involved, that Keanu wouldn't return. Well, there was the story of like they shut down the production company. And then there was another story where there was like, just kidding, we've reopened our production right. company. And so this felt like the next Man, step. This is right, so right, fascinating. Right. And everyone will have chewed this up and completely processed. David Mitchell is a co-writer on it, the author of Cloud. Oh, sure. Weird. I'm so excited. David is yanking out his hair in both directions, <gasps> and there is a new Clementine on the table for the listener. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is so. I'm genuinely so happy. I'm uh, gonna I gotta take crying. a photo of this for posterity. Wow. The oh moment. God. The moment he learned. I have to say, it's a dark reflection of the state of the world that in the, like, the five-second window where you stop the podcast to announce huge news, I was thinking much bigger and much happier. But this is, this is exciting. Uh, what did you think it was? What do you think? I don't know. What? What? 
I don't know. No. Uh, it's a certain demon yeah. being uh, sent back to the pits of hell, if you know what I'm saying. Jesus. Uh, Old Hades bringing up the little finger going, yeah, come hither. Oh, it seems, uh, and David, this will be surprising to you, that Twitter has noticed. <laughs> and that they are excited. Uh, but back to Ooh. Miyazaki. Am I right? Ooh, Anyone? Oh, boy. We don't deserve it. He's <laughs> oh, losing God. his mind. I'm so happy right now. Oh, He's Everyone's going to hate can it. Can I take a photo? It's going to be great. You can take as many photos of me as you want. Okay, right uh, now, though. Okay, give me give me uh, just a, a, a pure look. Uh, uh, how, does this, <laughs> how does this look? How much is it going to make opening weekend? Oh, 25. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, that probably, because there's enough. No, I, I think I now. said this I think in anything the less than I said it in the sequel episodes where I'm like, yeah. it's time that like there's just it's so much nostalgia in it. Right. right. I think anything less than 175. Is a failure. Opening? Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's possible. Oh, I think so too. I totally. think anything less than 175 would still be more than the total gross of any Wachowski movie that wasn't sure. a Matrix. No, movie. Speed Racer did pretty well. <laughs> no, but uh-huh. even <laughs> Revolutions ended at 130 yeah. domestic. Yeah. Like it will be their highest grossing film since 2003 by the time it opens. Probably. Boy. Uh, uh, yeah, but will it have a line where a 90-year-old woman calls someone on the phone and her mom says, you sound ghastly like some 90-year-old woman? Smooth transition. <laughs> it would be pretty funny. Imagine that, like, you called your mom and, you know, you're at college or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, uh, hello, it's me, David, your son. Like, I think she'd notice. I do love. <laughs> Just as I remember you over the phone. That people keep on trying to throw, like, old person shade at her. And she's like, no, I figured it out. Yeah, I feel great. I yeah. mean, sure, climbing the stairs up to the king's palace is a real yeah. pain in the ass. Oh, we got to talk about this little dog friend. <laughs> what a great misdirect. I love this. This is, this is my kind of bit. This is a real trick. Because she decides they, that they need to go talk to Blake Danner. <laughs> Right. Of course. As you do. Of course. Right. Pay your respects at right. this point. She... Turn into a nine-year-old lady. I loved you and I'll call. see you in my right. dreams. Right. She's already oh. won an Emmy for Huff and you just have to go and kiss the ring and <laughs> pay your respect. She won two Emmys for I believe Huff. she won two. I believe you are I right. believe she was an unstoppable dra- Any season that Huff was on, <laughs> she won. Was that the uh, docudrama about Felicity Huffman? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Wait a second. What is it? Lily Wachowski rebooting Huff? <laughs> Azaria Holdout <laughs> demands 20 an episode. Million. It's like when sleep. There's no Huff without Hank. Wait, Feige's producing it? <laughs> Huff to enter. <laughs> Oh, it's like when Sleater Kinney broke up when Lily was like I'm on Huff and they're like but the, the fucking The Matrix like, nope. Kevin Feige Kevin Feige cast as Huff he's taking the role um, what was the thing I was gonna say the dog is introduced oh oh they have to go talk to Blythe Dan long set of stairs and uh, she knows that Hal is gonna disguise himself in some way right but he won't tell her how right She's looking around and she's like, hey, you know, this is a street urchin that'd be a little sloppy, umbrella, not a lot of mobility. Like she's like running through all the possibilities of what he could be disguised as. And then the world's goofiest looking dog shows up. <laughs> <laughs> He's got little chicken legs <laughs> and a long face. And she's like, okay, good job. How game recognized game. Very funny disguise. Little dog. I'm going to jump on your back and you'll take me up the stairs. <laughs> 
just see this dog panting, like out of breath, like struggling very funny. to make it up this eternal staircase. And the second they get inside, play there, it's like, oh, thanks, you found my dog. It's <laughs> so good. It's also one of those moments where the trope of Miyazaki characters talking to themselves pays yeah. off in space. Totally. But just her being like, uh, your dog? And she's like, yeah, no, I sent my dog downstairs to... Uh, to help find you. Was it but she led you up the stairs, right? You didn't take advantage of her in any absurd way, did you? <laughs> and then, then immediately Hal comes in with his disguise and is called out. Like is right. totally caught. Pretending to be the, the captain, the general. Right. Pretend to love that war. Right. Miyazaki's funny. I think he's the king. He's pretending to be the king. king. Uh, Miyazaki's funny. Also want to point out that Sophie's mom is wearing a hat that has cannons and a dead bird mounted on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make your fortune as a milliner. Yeah. Got to have, uh, you Weaponize know. those hats. Yeah. War is everywhere. War even, even on, on hats. hats. <laughs> That's how you know it's gotten bad. I mean, hats are safe. Um, ben, you didn't, did you have anything else to say apart from you believe in demons? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I realize we may have cut up your take corner. Believe in demons. Uh, well, believe in demons. demons. I think demons are ancient aliens. Um, okay. A lot to go in there, but I guess we'll just sort of like. Sludge people that. are cool. Sludge, yeah. right, right, right. Um... What did you guys think of Howl's Digs? Because uh, I didn't think it needed to be cleaned. The titular uh, moving castle? Yeah. The castle that... Um, I thought the castle looked uh, pretty moves, good. Moves, right. right. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. I like when he goes like... And then like rearranges it. I think that's cool. I just, as, as someone who lives in like a New York apartment. Sure. That's sort that, of like a fun It doesn't dream. move at all. Yeah. Right. Well, also, but like you can't just be like, what if there was like a bathroom right here? You know, like let's just move everything it's around. It transforms. I do love that Sophie's just like, oh, I'll pretend to be the maid. And they're like, yeah, I guess we might have hired one of those. At some <laughs> right? Yeah, she's like, how hire me? I'm like, how? I haven't seen that guy in a while. <laughs> this is his castle. Yeah. How, and Hal just rolls with him. He's so good natured. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, like, well, we can all be friends. It's very. I feel like all his emotional energy is going to like being a bird warrior on both sides of the <laughs> sure. war. So I guess when but he comes there back, is a sort of like, chill, you seem nice. Japanese RPG element right, right. Of, of gathering a party. Like everyone they meet, they're just like, spin in a circle, you're part of the party now. Right, right. Um, you all, you have your function. Uh, and there is a nice little spirit of solidarity in that. Yeah. They feel like the misfits a little bit. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, the house yeah, of all... lost toys. Uh, can I just say that Ange texted uh, David, are you okay? And response to the Matrix news, and David responded with five crying emojis. I'm crying right now. This motherfucker's still just peeling a clementine. This, these clementines are made of iron. <laughs> Where do you guys buy your clementines? Amazon.com. Bad company. <laughs> Did something wrong clementine-wise, yeah. I'll tell you that much. A really bad company. Do you remember like the craft services at the tick where the clementines impossible to peel? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for bringing up. They were laid out by Bezos himself. Yeah, right. Him and Billy Crystal together. Uh, what about when <laughs> Sophie says, there are so many good lines in this dub. Is this a Lasseter joint? Yeah. I don't well, wanna... I mean, he's not, uh, he's sort of, I, I don't know he how just directly come in he was over people. Yeah. Every week. He was big in but, negotiating the deal. Right. right. I, I feel like Sophie has a line that Lasseter had always hoped a woman would say to him, oh, no. which is uh, when she says to Turnip Head, uh -huh. uh, "Oh, you're just a scarecrow. I was afraid you were one of those blob men." <laughs> <laughs> um, which is uh, the highest compliment I think yeah. a woman could pay to some people. Yeah, yeah. So Turnip Head kind of gets her into the castle. She mm -hmm. works at the castle. Yes, Hal's at the castle. Right. He's not at the castle that much. Yeah, he's out witching about. He's got blonde hair. 
He has red hair. It freaks out about the hair. Yeah. I yeah. love that scene. Well, he's very emo. Well, he's very he's vain. I mean, like vanity vain. is, I yeah. mean, vanity is sort of the reason behind this war. And I think in Miyazaki's mind, when you're talking about these powerful empires getting into wars that will only benefit them so much yeah. is often for posturing and vanity and for the, the optics of it all. And I think it's very pointed that the, the lady, I can't remember her character, the blood Danner character, Suleiman or mm-hmm. weird name. Yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been alive for that. This war's dumb at the right. end. Um, well, that's sort of Miyazaki's take, right? Yeah, He's yeah. like, these things are But I think that Hal's vanity yeah. is a part and parcel of that. But there's the whole element, too, of uh, with Lauren Bacall when, like, Blythe Danner, like, undoes her magic and then she turns into, like, a mashed potato lady with a penis nose. <laughs> and and Sophie's like, what's going on here? And she's like, yeah, this is how old she really is. Right. She's using, like, 99% of her magic to, just to look, look, quote, unquote, good. <laughs> she used to be the best which in the world, right, right. and then she got so caught up giving herself like magical facelifts. Right, well, that's the same take, right? Like, right. age, embrace it, baby. And every yeah. time she eats anything with that penis nose, she looks like David Eden Clementine. Her nose is so pink, and she looks so much like David Eden Clementine. For the listener at home, David has morphed. Now that he has <laughs> turned off his magic powers in order to eat the clementine. And to peel its impenetrable skin. He is now a mound of wrinkles. He used all of his power to it's will the Matrix gray. 4 into existence. Yes. <laughs> just... David has Lost. no magic left. <laughs> I don't believe it. He's a no Bring magic. pants back. Joey Pants. Bring him back. Yeah. Bring him all back. I gotta put Chong. Him. Oh, man. Tank. Not like this. Not like this, lady. Dozer back. Switch. Switch. Nintendo Switch. APOC. Yeah, APOC you can keep. He's okay. I like the APOC. He's yeah, he's guy. cool. Yeah. How? How? Uh, what do we got to say? How should be in the Matrix War. How? Okay, but what's the deal with... Because wizards how? are super powerful, right? Yeah. And witches. It's like a world where people are like, oh, yeah, this wizard. Yeah, yeah. But like, it seems... There's no uh, lineage to the wizard. Like you could just, they're just people who are just born wizards. But, right. but kind of an X-Men vibe. Delivery service is also kind of like that. Where it's yeah. like, oh yeah, what are you, the Newtown witch? <laughs> yeah. But witches are not like living gods in Kiki's delivery service. No, the, the wizards have a different status here. Right, right. Um, right, because there's the idea of like, she was my witch of this castle. Right. Witches you know? are like employees in right. uh, Kiki's Delivery. I mean, they are literally employees in Kiki's right. Delivery Service. They're like public service services. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she may as well be like a bus driver. But in here, they are sort of more akin to like the spirit gods from Spirited Away. Yes. Uh, where yeah, they are these mythic creatures, which is also doesn't really but square also with. quasi human. Right. It doesn't really square with the idea that Hal was like a kid and he's only 27 or whatever. But again, this movie is. Situated right on the border between fa- like fantasy and reality. But it's also like Miyazaki adapting a book where he's like, I don't want, I don't care about like half of this shit. Right? right. Like, you know, book's probably more like, well, let's explain like how this all works. And he's like, I don't care how it works. Right. Well, yeah, it's like a book that he was like, I sign off in the general sense on our company acquiring this because there are elements Ca- that are cool. Because I hear that castle move. Right. I have no interest in making this myself. Right. So then once he comes aboard, it's like, okay, what do I want to say that I can like shoehorn no, into? No, he looks at the book and he's like, okay, there could be a plane here and a plane <laughs> right. there. And there could be just some cool looking Star Wars planes, like so one man planes flying in formation in the background of this shot. And I, but I, th- I do think like the way that he, 
uses the plan, the war yeah. and the stuff about beauty and how being like, I see no point in living if I can't be beautiful. It does feel like a lighter take, like he's building up to, and again, we can only go so far into this, uh, to the wind rises where the, 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 the beauty of these things is offset by the destructive power and sure. the people who uh, enable them also sort of have to live with the cost of, of producing them. Um, and, the the beauty that they bring into the world is very much of the essence. And so Hal is sort of a cartoonish, uh, you know, emo version of that idea. Right. I just realized what I want Miyazaki to do. Okay. I want him to start a YouTube channel where he reviews planes. <laughs> I want him to ride a plane with me. Maybe he'd calm me down. Sure. Oh, probably. He would make you appreciate the plane. Right. He'd be like talking about the majesty of but flying. I just feel like I don't hear about plane nerds in the same way that you hear about like other types of vehicle nerds. Right. And I'd love to see like Miyazaki like trying out new like airline models. Right. And what about like, like this plane was honestly Animators made. in airplanes with Miyazaki? Yeah. That sounds great. Animators. <laughs> Drinking tea in airplanes. With <laughs> no, Miyazaki. they'd be smoking cigarettes. It's animators smoking cigarettes yeah. on airplanes. Yes, or rent out the plane. Right. Yeah, right. But I do like the idea that you could just like, if you're a nervous flyer, you could just request him, and at the gate, they would just give you a Miyazaki. Yeah. It's an uh, option, yeah. right? It's like, do you need a kosher meal? Do you right. need a Miyazaki on your flight? <laughs> right. Yes. And you'd just be like, oh, yes, that sound is just the rudder going like this. And isn't the barbarity of flight doing destructive power, like destruction to the environment? Do you feel like if he explained, like, the machinations of the plane to you, it would calm you down, David? I think so. Usually, as, because of my fear of flying, I have tried to, like, get to know, like, what planes are doing sure. so that, like, noises don't alarm me. Because you love trains, like you love that. cars. I do. I don't know. I have to ride a plane soon. I don't like You it. love trains and automobiles. But what about planes? I don't like them. Yeah. Could take or leave. Like a sub? <laughs> uh, seems like a fully horrifying concept to me. Haven't been in a sub. What, but uh, like a like a like a metal like a, what are they coffin? There we go. That's underwater. You right, like and you can't leave. You love a sub sandwich though. I love a sub sandwich. Well, they never make movies about how like good things are in a sub. You know. You mean right. like. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. movies are usually point. about, like, yeah, being in a sub is tough, and if one thing goes wrong, like, uh-oh, that sub might get called the like, Widowmaker. Planes, planes are in movies, and, like, characters will get on a plane, sure. and they'll take off, and they'll land safely somewhere, and they'll go about their business. People propose marriage on a plane. Sure. It's charming. Sure. But in a sub, it's usually, it like, charming. something's going to go wrong. Yes. Uh, Nobody ever just has soup on a sub. Right. Well, here's a question just for Ben. <laughs> True. What about down Periscope? Might dip right, a sub in soup. Right, but soup on a sub. Ben. Yes, sir. Do things go wrong in Down Periscope? Uh, is that the one with Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Right? I think they're like a ragtag group of guys and then something goes wrong. <laughs> We're all just checking the just Wikipedia page for Down Periscope. Down Periscope Wikipedia. Um... Yeah, it looks like there's some sort of. Like, I'm like, is it just like a unorthodox tactic? Submarine comedy. Someone's charged with mutiny. I think there's a lot going on. Okay, relative to other sub yeah. movies, though, maybe less. It might be the most fun you could have on a sub. Is yeah, golf on top. Yeah, remember that part? <laughs> that was a good part. That was a good part. That was a good part. That, that was a good part. That's a weird round of like mid '90s studio military comedies. Uh, what else you got? Where you have like major uh, pain, uh, major pain, 
Sergeant Bilko. In the Army now. Right. Mikhail's Navy. These are all bad movies. Them all, like, <laughs> notorious Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all career killers. Hilarious. So funny. <laughs> what about... Ed Burns. What, what if hot up? You all right? I'll pitch you. Okay. If you were Major Payne, mm. you could play like a like a, almost like a Napoleon con like a cons. What's that? What's that like? Complex. Constru- Thank com- you so yeah, much. Sure. He's Napoleon complex. Short. You want me to reboot Major Payne, and the bit is that this time he he's little. He's a short king. Yeah, and he's mad about it. Yeah, I mean, I could do it because. Well, wait a second. There's another. There is another one we're forgetting. Renaissance Man. Oh yeah. Which is Dan DeVito, but like right? That's the cool, ultimate right? Napoleon. DeVito is, like, is considerably Penny shorter Marshall? than Newman. Penny Marshall. It feels this feels like a step back. Yeah, I'm trying to get cast alongside Danny DeVito so I can feel huge <sighs> and fit. I can't believe what the Penny Marshall's gone. <laughs> what the, we lost Penny? Yeah, no, you're still reeling from the Matrix news. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna crazy. do for the rest of your day now? I don't know. Uh, I have something to do. Is today. this what it's life what it like? Is. Like after sex with you? Do oh you my think? God. Oh. That's what this feels like. It feels like you're nonverbal you, well, now. Like, right. you, like I'm so you've released that. everything. Yeah. yeah. Do you want a sandwich? It's just one of those things where I'm like, eh, this, this is gonna bite me in the ass somehow. This is just. <laughs> I want this. To, I wanted it to go exactly like this. Sorry, when they when they way. announced the trip to Greece earlier this year, I felt the vapors in much the same way. Very excited. So you're saying that right now you feel like Bizarro Switch. Exactly. You're saying like this. Like this. <laughs> like, like like this. this. Like like this. Oh, oh Switch. Oh, Switch. Um, is there other stuff in your notes we need to yes. cover? I'm sorry this is the most runaway episode we've done That's in the last yeah, four days. Uh, <laughs> when she says just go find some field and stand in it, it's a sick burn. Yeah, yeah. Sick burn. Kind of if a, an old lady said that to you, you would yeah. be destroyed. Well, it's like Fawn saying, like, uh, go sit on it. Yeah. One of my favorite insults ever. <laughs> it is a good insult. Yeah, sit on it. Um, what else is... Calcifer. I don't know. Yeah, the second half of the second is kind of a bummer. I agree with you that it's yeah. kind of a bummer where she's like, oh, no, I put out Calcifer and there's all that to deal with. Right. And, like, of course she put out Calcifer. The like last, she had to. Yeah. The yeah. last thing I want in this movie at the hour mark is plot. Right, and that's the thing. It's, you're right, you're right. It is a lot of plot. That's I like, just like more Howl. It feels like, you know, some of the other Miyazaki movies will have like a lot of setup in the first half and then let you just kind of go transcend it in the second. Yeah. And this is the opposite, which kind right. of All feels like a buzz and they're like, All right, so but anyway, this is what's going on here. Right. And there's that sequence where she sees Howl becoming magical, like catching Calcifer. Yeah. That just sort of happens. It's one of the like four different endings, right? Exactly, right. That, yeah. That's where you're like, wait, is this now? Oh no, I guess it's not. You know, I, I don't. Know. And most of these are good individual. I don't get swept sequences. up in it quite in the same that's way. The thing. They're great I sequences. Getting caught it up in looks the flow great. Of the, movie. the character yes. design is phenomenal. Right. Like I love how Calcifer looks. I love yeah. how Leo. Do you the, the little Huntress? Yeah, I do. Calcifer. I think, he, I think he's very handsome. What's your beef with Calcifer? He's a he's a little. He's like bah, bah, flame bah, bah, with bah. eyeballs. I like that he leans on the log and hugs the log. But he has like he's a little flame for Brooklyn. He has ponyo eyeballs. He's got those like just mm-hmm. little white, round, shifty things. And okay, we don't need to make David any more horny than he already is. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like you gotta. It's, it's gonna be a little fire. I don't know. I like yeah. a lot. I, I don't think Kelsfer's all that hot. If you oh, catch my oh boy, oh boy. I I do like that she kisses Turniphead, and he's like, I've been in my own movie the whole time, and she's like, okay. 
I, I feel I, like we already talked about it. I know. And Again, then, you know, I'm my, trying to think of any other thing that happens. In my big takes on this no. movie. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. My big takes on this movie is just that, like, it, it does, in retrospect, feel like he was fine-tuning some things and gearing up for the masterworks to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And I really would have loved to see him maybe get ahead of that and pivot more in the direction of getting into, like, Hal and the battle over his soul and his right. the difficult struggle he has in coming back to his human form and not have that lost in... Uh, all of the mumbo jumbo that goes on around him. Um, but I do feel like the crucial line in the second half of this movie anyways, when he says that all this magic is just to keep everyone away. I can't stand how scared I am, which if anything feels like a animator who lives in their hut uh, away from all <laughs> life and hates interacting with the public and just chain smokes all day long sure. and has created more joy than like any other you know, artist in the 20th century and beyond, uh, you know, feels like Miyazaki putting his voice into, into him. That line resonated with me. And I think, uh, as Miyazaki became increasingly introspective, that line was a hint at things to come. Right. Uh, it's funny that we'll talk about wind rises, but right. What a a movie. It's an incredible movie, but like that, this is the anti-war movie and not the wind rise. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys will get into, uh, the, and the I'm not saying when wise is, is pro war. Right, that was right. definitely an argument that was levied against it. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, but um, I, yeah, no, I mean, this movie is, it was derided for being sort of very on the nose about its anti-war message, but I think that it's, it's not just like war is bad. I mean, it's really, for me, talking about how, what we lose by giving over to the impulse of war mm-hmm. and like how difficult it is to extract yourself and the bits of your soul like from that experience and just go back to normal and and the delusion that you can sort of, you know, pivot towards conflict, then veer back to normalcy and still be whole and and treat other people with the same sort of selflessness that Sophie always does. Uh, I think that that is, that's a salient message in the movie that survives the borderline disastrous second half. I think that's a great take. I think that is what works in this film. I do just like, I prefer talking about that being the takeaway rather than watching yeah. 40 minutes of it. I agree. Which start to feel both repetitive and didactic in a way that Miyazaki movies don't. Right. Because the thing that is really joyful, I found in discovering these movies, is like, these are movies where like every 10 minutes the movie can totally change and its messaging can stay so sort of like open in terms of the way it's so thoroughly exploring all of its themes. That to watch them with them for like 40 minutes is. You know, even if it's doing so intelligently, just showing you that war is really bad and the people who do it are operating out of, like, uh, you know, uh, human weakness, uh, it's, it's just a little frustrating yeah. for me. Um, and it does it does kind of just end a little damp point. Yeah. Like, actual ending. Maybe it's fine. Although, you must like that Sophie kisses literally everybody. Yeah. Like all the kisses. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love kissing. Jesus Christ. I just saw a good movie with kissing. In you are horned up right now. This is insane. I'm always horned up. Yeah, yeah but they're not Matrix 4 horned up. He pulled his shirt off and he's like spinning it around his head. <laughs> he's like whipping it around. Wait, what was the movie you saw with good kissing? Angel has uh, fallen. Good boys. Hottest movie. Mm. Was there kissing in good boys? Yeah, well, it's a kissing party. The whole movie. That's well, that's, oh yeah, that's right. The kissing party. Yeah. Huh. I, the, in Good Boys, I was just... No, I was making a joke. No one should say the kissing in Good Boys is good. I'm aware of that. I, yes. I, I'm just saying, like, my whole thing, my take, I, the whole time I was like, if the girls don't eventually become friends with them, I'm out on this movie. Right. And so when the girls come home and they're like, 
you kids will figure it out. I was like, thank you. Thank, good. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I got my scene. Uh, yes. And then they ask him to sing and he sings and it's sweet. There's some good stuff. There's some good stuff. And Wait, I just saw something with really good kids. It's okay. It's okay. I don't think it's very good. Okay. But it's enjoyable enough to watch. Right. Was it um, okay. Notting Hill? <laughs> We're always bringing up Notting Hill. Good boy. Uh, He's just a boy standing in front of a girl. No, I'm getting it wrong. She's just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And then they kiss. <sighs> And I think it's good kissing. What was the good kissing you saw? Was it like a new thing or an old thing? You want me to look at my letterbox? Yeah, maybe. Whatever happened to Reese Reese Fons? He became like a great uh, British dramatic actor. Uh, Of course, was the lizard. He was the lizard. Well, yeah, but he... In Britain, he's in like, you know, plays and TV miniseries and stuff. He's like a great actor. I feel like Anonymous was supposed to be like a big comeback for him as a studio man. Am I inventing... The fact that he had a problem with alcohol. He has definitely had problems with drugs and alcohol. <laughs> He's one. He dated yeah. when I worked at People Magazine. He was dating Sienna Miller, right? That, that makes and sense. Kate Moss despised Sienna Miller, and I had to cut. I mean, I had to talk about all the intersonine like warfare that was going on in the, in their like social set. Yeah, where like Kate Moss was like trying to one up Sienna Miller's like birthday gift to Reese Fenn. Like it was all yeah. kinds of like, and it was kind of funny to think like, wow, Reese Fenn's is like at the center of like the hottest yeah. British gossip of there the year. There was a thing too where like he was doing the Comic Con panel for Amazing Spider Man, and much like uh, Miyazaki, he would not stop at chain smoking. Oh sure, I, I was at that Comic Con. Yeah, right. no, he I, and I, he did not seem happy to be there. Right, they oh. asked him to stop smoking uh, during the panel, and I believe he got into a fist fight with a security guard and was arrested. Great. Uh, I will say the moment it was when... portrait of a lady on fire. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> there's there's some. So Which won't be out by the time we get no, this episode. No, no. Uh, but I, one day uh, on this or some other podcast, I can do a dramatic reading of the text messages David L. Sims sent me after seeing Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, where we both agreed it. that it is the movie. It's the movie. She, I mean, she's one of my favorite living filmmakers. And the fact that uh, she has made a movie that now everyone thinks is like Stone Cold Masterpiece, I, when I'm already this in the tank for her, is thrilling to me. I was shaking for like... Two days after it's, I saw this movie. It's um, but we'll see someone tops it. Can we'll I just see? say, Ben is giving me the look where it's like, don't talk about the moment you realize that Reese Fonts was one of Britain's great dramatic actors. Talk about it. But then he just pointed at me to give me permission to do that once I sort of did a backdoor way of asking. Okay, Jesus. Uh, there's a moment at the end of a film called Notting Hill mm-hmm. where Hugh Grant has assembled all of his friends and family. Can you do it as a note All to his self? fucking yes. bougie friends. <laughs> all his bougie. Wow. Ruined that neighborhood. Friends. Note to self. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the moment when Reese was a great dramatic actor. And he's giving them the lowdown of what happened. He's saying, you know, she came to the bookstore. It was a kind of sweet, actually. She said that she was just a girl standing in front of a boy asking to love her. Uh, and then there's a moment of silence. Everyone sits there with that bombshell. And then Hugh Grant, you know, immortally says, uh, oh, sod a dog. I've made the wrong decision, haven't I? And then there's just a cut. What a cut. The cut of the film to Reese Efens. And this doesn't really translate on a podcast, which I should have realized before I went on this two-minute story, goes, yup. <laughs> it's just like an up and down. It doesn't even make that much sound with his mouth. It I believe is, it was in the trailers. It as is I a perfect moment. It is what Alva, Thomas Alva Edison had in mind when he invented the cinema. In the, minute of, in the middle of the current war. In the middle of the current war. Uh, and then it immediately cuts to do 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 when they're fucking racing to the royal whatever the fuck hotel. What a movie! 
And then what happens when okay, so, he gets there? <laughs> uh, and then he, of course, uh, they all make out. They all kiss the guy. No, but before- <laughs> oh, wow. uh, Ben was winding a up. Truly damp. He was Ben was waiting a full minute on mic. And then he the went like this, like, <laughs> he was just torquing up how to does be this able to work. Wait, but they're not no, even. Right. I don't know how deep into this you're getting. Bef- before they make out, they all kiss the bellman, right, or the right. the checking guy at yeah. the at the hotel, and then the Japanese businessman comes in. And this moment <laughs> so much is kissing. a little squishy, yeah. but uh, he thinks it's the custom to yes. kiss the right. uh, guy, and then he jumps over the counter when he's checking in and kisses the guy. I just want to say, and I have seen several actors say this, in mm. and I can't remember any of them specifically now. Mm. People being like, they offered me like the best friend role in this movie, and I said like, what's the point? I'll never be able to do it as well as Risa Fons did. And I remember the first time I read someone say that, I was like, come on. But then you think about it and you're like, that is always the worst character. Sure. Like, usually movies, that is the problem where they're like, there's this fucking, like, slovenly roommate or brother or this bum or a slacker who just, like, drives you insane. And even good actors have failed trying to do it. He should have fucking got an Oscar nomination for that movie. It is insane. Isn't that 1999? Yes. I think Here it's a pretty loaded year. Five best supporting action nominees. <laughs> he could have cut through. Christopher Plummer as Mike Wallace. Yeah, right. Risa Fons as Spike. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Spike is his and name. Nailed it, baby. I had a friend called Pandora. Never saw her books, though. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, obviously. Tom Cruise, Magnolia, obviously. And I feel like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like 18 other great candidates. Alan Rickman and Galaxy Quest. <laughs> That's another good one. Uh, let's play the box office game. We're going to. I just wanted to mention a uh, best example of that is uh, John Heater in uh, Just Like Heaven. Sure. You know? Uh, uh, He's like, oh, I'm like the friend, man. Josh Gad? like a real. Friends. Loving other yeah, drugs. Yeah. You ever see that one? Oh boy, he's the brother. He's the brother. It can brother be a brother. It can be a roommate. In that uh, movie. Oh interesting brother. fixation on his brother's penis yep. in that film. Not a penis talk. I mean, I would be fixated on Jake Gyllenhaal's penis too, to be fair. Huh? All right. Uh, this movie came out in the U.S. Okay. on June 10th, 2005. A summer relief. It was a summer relief. Mm. It opened on 36 screens to $427,000, 14th at the box office. It will not figure into the box office game. What was the final total? Four and a half, right? Yeah. Not great. Uh, well, but I'm pretty sure it cleared uh, 230 in Japan. Right. So it's one of the highest grossing films okay. in the history of Japan. Right. It's still in the top 10. Uh, June 10th, 2005. They're releasing it like right before they release Cars. Uh, that shows sure. you how uninterested Disney was in this movie. Yeah. It is a Disney release. Um, number one at the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, an action movie with movie stars. Multiple. Two. Is it Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Doug oh boy. Mr. Hashtag Mrs. Smith. the two stars. <laughs> Hashtag two stars is what I give it. <laughs> that movie. If that movie couldn't keep those two crazy kids together, nothing could. Do you like Mr. and Mrs. Smith? No one likes Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Some people do. That's I a, think I've encountered that opinion. That, and that I movie is why the name, I mean, there have, there have been several reasons why since, but that will always be the reason why the name Simon King Kinberg sends chills up my spine. But Dark Phoenix, huh? I'm not saying it's the best reason. I'm saying it's the reason. Dark Phoenix is a very memorable movie. <laughs> yes. Number two at the box office. I do. I remember all that stuff that happened. Yeah, Spam call. It's not my fault. Remember what stuff happened? Dark Phoenix. Existing. You know, there was like all those scenes with the actors. The Phoenix got too dark. 
<laughs> David, people are squinting. <laughs> squinting. Can't see that phoenix. Try to see the phoenix. Dark as a moonless night. Number two at the box office. Animated film. It's an animated film, but it's not a Pixar. No. Uh, is Madagascar? No. Okay. This is where I'm at. I just figure you can nail these. I f- the big summer for me. Uh, number three uh, is a film that we've covered on this podcast. Batman Begins? No. That's next week. Fuck. Uh, Revenge of the Sith? Yes. Number four, uh, comedy. Longest Yard? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, uh, children's live action film, sort of. Interesting. With animation? Okay, which is sort of. It is definitely for children, but it's only kind of live action. Yeah, I I feel like it has a lot of CG and, you know, sort of crazy effects. A lot of crazy effects. Yeah. Is it based on anything? Is it like an adaptation of anything? I don't know. I don't think so. What what were you going to guess? No, I... I think I'm wrong in every way as a person can't be wrong. Can you throw it out, though? <laughs> I think it's like six years too late and not for children. Small soldiers. It's not oh, small soldiers. It's like one of the best <laughs> films ever, man. No, not based on anything, but based on an original story by, like, the director's kid. Oh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Oh. Oh! Wow. Redemption! Oh, wow. The Adventures <laughs> of Shark Boy. The only and Lava Girl screenwriting credit of uh, Robert Rodriguez. You got Shark and Boy. The I'm only, sorry. The only story credit of Racer Rodriguez. I'm sorry. You got Shark Boy, you got Shark Boy and Lava Girl together really? because yeah. it was before the recession. Yeah. Right. That is uh, Taylor Lautner, is it not? Taylor Lautner, I believe, is Shark Boy. Is Shark Boy. I forget who played Lava Girl. Um, but I think it was Florence Pugh. I don't know. I couldn't make a joke. I was trying to think. Uh, someone know, called Taylor Dooley. So two tailors, a boy and a girl. The two tailors. Uh, I saw that movie in theaters. What did you think? It's okay. Robert Rodriguez is, I know he's in Sharky? your- Yeah. He's in your good graces right now because of Alita. Mm. Uh, yeah, great movie. But it isn't. But like I think uh, that uh, your takes on Christoph Waltz are insane. Uh, the the thing about him- winner. No, no. Nivola came in there. Yeah. And throat punched him. Oh, really? Yeah, That's a great performance. Perform- performance. It is a great performance. That's a great yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah. Of the field. Um, but I wonder if a filmmaker has ever just like so casually, in the Hollywood system anyway, mm. or on the fringes of it, done so much on so their own wavelength in such an uninteresting way for so long. He is kind of a uh, fascinating phenomenon in that sense. Yeah. That he did like a micro version of Studio Ghibli where he's like, I figured out how to make every movie in my home. <laughs> And it doesn't matter if they're all bad. Right, but that it, but that they were all sort of like esoteric, but also like kind of impersonal, you know? That he was like, I'm following my whims. And we're like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, but my, my kid came up with a movie called Shark Boy and Lava Boy. Yeah. Shark Boy and Racer Lava Girl. Rodriguez. So we got to go. That was Joey's take on Stuber was, you know, that joke in 30 Rock where Tracy Morgan's like, I made a whole movie in my car. And... and <laughs> Scott adds, it's like, that was supposed to be a Western. I saw that. <laughs> Joe's like, Stuber just seems like one of those movies. They're like, it's fun. You can make it in your car. We will come to your car. I enjoyed Stuber. So we got Me all too. five films at the box office. Uh, that's it. Uh, number six. Uh, yeah, can it, I try doing six through ten just because I breeze through them so quickly? Number six is a um, mm, period sports movie. Number six is a period sports movie from two. Honestly, making nine million in its on at number six in two thousand five, not bad. That's his opening weekend. No, it's his second weekend. Invictus two, two Victus. I believe. No. What what studio is? Is it Disney uh, Sports? Universal. Movie? It's a Universal 
sports movie is a bit of a you know a trick here, but it is a sports movie. There's no question. So it's a weird sport. Nah, it, it's a common movie sport. It's just kind of about other things as well. But it's a sports movie. Is Cinderella Man? Okay. All right, number seven, uh, teens. Number seven Great movie. is for the teens. And you love it. I like it a lot. Haven't Com- seen it in Comedy? Years. Yeah, comedy. Ben's doing two fingers. He is. You know what that means? I, I mean, I do. The teens are walking. They're walking? It's kind of a weird clue. <laughs> what do you walk on? Water. <laughs> what do you use to walk? Feet. And? Legs. What goes over legs? Shoes. Walking on shoes. Nope. Pants? Walking with pants. Oh! Scissor to the traveling pants! <laughs> yeah, Ben, a very weird clue. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, he just motioned like two fingers as legs walk. One of um, the great number, casts ever assembled. Number, yeah. yeah, great cast. Second number, one is so number, good. Yeah, so second one's good too. Yeah. Number eight is one of those movies you forget happened where it's like, um, kind of like Guess Who, where it's like sort of black cast updating of an old thing. Uh, the Honeymooners? I never forget that movie. I think it's weird that we don't talk about it all the time. Cedric the Entertainer, Mike Epps. Regina Hall. Regina Hall? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. And then I'm trying to remember who the fourth actor is. John Leguizamo's in as well, but I'm trying to remember who the fourth person is. Gabrielle Union. Gabrielle Union. The great Gabby Union. Who just showed up in ER season six. Yes. Uh, number nine, big comedy, return of a major Oscar winning star who had been like not- Monster in law. Number 10, French horror. High tension? Yes. I mean, I know there's not like a ton of French horror, but you still, you got to. I just said, I felt confident. That's you, a, I want to do the 10. And the number 11 um, uh, wins afraid. best picture. Number 11 wins best picture. It's correct. That's right. Sometimes we're also numb. Let's keep going. Let's get to how. Each other just <laughs> Let's get to how. How's 14? Then we're done. Yeah. Okay. We're so almost there. Number 12. Number 12, dramatization of a uh, t- uh, documentary. Also a sort of quasi sports movie. Weird. It's a dramatization of a documentary. Yeah, Ben's into it. it was it a recent? Oh, oh, uh, Lords of Dogtown. Fucking hell. I think a good movie. I haven't seen it. I it's think good. a very good movie. I think yeah. a movie's really underrated. Hardwick, right? Hardwick. Captain Hardwick. Yeah. yeah. And then number 13, um, cheesy sports comedy that shares the Kicking name of a masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want it. To be known that uh, last night I uh, I hung out with a friend of the podcast, John Hodgman, and he made a joke about the box office game, about me being able to name what was number one at the box office the first weekend of January in 2010. And then I went, wait, I want to see if I can actually do this. He went to pull up box office mojo. Right. It was down, so he couldn't provide any context clues. Sure. And I just sat there for three minutes and then went, true grit. And he went, it just reloaded. The answer is true grit. <laughs> That's terrible. I just like I went into like the files of my brain yeah. without any further information, just knowing it was the first week in January. Right. And I deduced it. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> my brain is broken and I cannot find happiness in life. So, you know, a lot of pride in that story. A huge amount of pride. Uh, <laughs> Maybe me, misplaced. Give me my victory. Please yeah. give me my victory. Uh, or like you got a baby coming out. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a baby plug? launching at the end of November. <laughs> uh it's going to be very profitable, I think. Huge hit. 
You're going to cap merchandising sales at $10 million right. per year, yes. right? Yeah. We're going to cap the amount of money that this baby can take from me at $10 million Well, you want to keep the integrity. You want the baby to retain right, right, the right. integrity yeah. of its character. Yeah, no, yeah. We, uh, we don't want the baby to be spoiled by yeah. the tens of dollars right. that we have to spend on it. Right, going to keep the baby off of streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, baby, the baby will become uh, the most beloved guest of this podcast, pushing me out forever. Uh, it's, uh, we do, we actually, uh, uh, we had really wanted a girl. We were both, I, I learned about the term gender disappointment because, uh, the mm. mommy blogs are on it. Mm. Uh, when we found out we were having a boy and then I didn't really think about it too much. Cause they were like, you'll get over it. Eventually your kid will just be your kid. And then it was really when we figured out the name that we both liked that I suddenly wasn't just excited about having a kid, but became very excited about having this kid. I'm excited uh, for this name. I'm pumped for this I was, zeal. I, I yeah. Wait, Baskin Robbins. The, the I feel name, like we're about to get a big scoop. The, the name is going to be no. I can't, I can't drop the name on this podcast. You can't. Oh, no, he's can't, not dropping drop the, the name. He, I've already had this conversation with him. Yeah. But the way he talks about it, I'm like, I can't wait to hear what this like wow. transformational be, name. No, no, no. I mean, it'll be pretty underwhelming. It's just the, like the idea of having Bill. a name. <laughs> it's Bob. Uh, but, Billy Bob. Uh, it's, Billy Bob. <laughs> it's Sling Blade. Um, it's a boy, so you can't name it Carol. Uh, yeah. Well, you can uh, Carol Reed. Oh. Yeah. I may have said too much. Well, look at that. Um, but yes, boy, uh, baby, uh, baby. Yeah, uh, I, th- I, I, I uh, hope so. All right, we I gotta wrap it up. Gonna make a bounce baby joke, and I couldn't think of a way to word it that was not morbid. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Yep. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Guda for our social media, and also for texting David immediately about the Matrix, being a good friend. Uh, thanks to Joe Bowen and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Uh, let's just say because uh, by the when we were recording the other episodes. Uh, you hadn't seen the art yet. Pat had not done the art yet. And yep. we were talking about, like, should we task Pat with this? This is tough because it's, sort of, like, it's like out of his wheelhouse, it seems. Hand drawn. Photoshop. It's I don't know how the fuck he did this. Well, he's a genius. He's a genius. And he's winning all the Obies this year. Uh, thanks to Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Um, go to blankies.writer.com for some real nerdy shit. Uh, go to uh, Patreon for some. Uh, uh, real nerdy bonus content and tea public for some real nerdy uh, shirts. We love to see it. New new Patreon uh, goals. Mm-hmm. 5,000 listeners. Trolls the experience. Take Richard Lawson to Trolls the experience. Brief Six- panic last night when we thought it was closing soon, but it seems like it'll be fine. It seems like it'll be fine. Uh, and 6,000 uh, Patreon subscribers and Ben has to do a fashion show. You ready, bitch? I'm ready. He, we wanted to make this the 5,000 goal and Ben said he needed ben more Ben was time. like, uh, more like six. Do yeah. you make buried jeans and baby sizes no but i will for you all right buried onesie we gotta wrap it up we gotta uh, call next week okay wind we- rises yeah. what a film and as always no next week's ponyo oh i'm sorry yeah, next yeah. week is ponyo with shirley lee right now of the atlantic and a week after that i get to watch wind rises for the first time uh and as always uh, tell, tell us that Josh Brolin story quickly. Yeah. Turn the mics off, baby. All right. So they were at a urinal. 